She did what with a curling iron? That's right. This month on the Girls Who Cried Be Horror, we're covering Sleepaway Camp. (laughs) (laughs) Was I supposed to say something? No, I mean, like, we love your enthusiasm. (laughs) It was a silence, so I won't. Girls Who Cried Be Horror. Well, hi everyone. I'm Alex. Welcome to The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. Yes, and I'm Anya. We will be your hosts on this magical, frightening journey. We're obviously very good at podcasting, so yes. this is going to go well. I mean, professionals. Nothing mm-hmm. but professionals. Um, so, Sleepaway Camp. Um, some of you may have heard of it. Some of you may have seen it. Some of you might be discovering greatness today truly um it is a classic b-horror classic summer camp movie um that has become a cult classic for i mean one huge reason which we will get to um but also because you know so quotable all that good stuff so alex i mean how do you do you do you enjoy sleepaway camp do you love sleepaway camp how do you feel I am a big fan of Sleepaway Camp. I have a very small anecdote. Um, when I was in like middle school, early high school, my mom and I used to always go to our local Hollywood video, RIP. Oh god! And we'd ugh, I miss it. We'd rent like two like quote unquote bad horror movies. Like I remember one year we did like Stay Alive, which was fun. <laughs> um, and so one year for Christmas, she bought me the box set of Sleepaway Camp. And she was like, I don't know what this is. This looks stupid. And I was like, okay, sure. But I was just at that age where I was like, I'm too cool to hang out with my mom. So I think I, like, went somewhere for New Year's. So I never actually watched it. So my box set sat on my bookshelf for years. And I did not watch it until an overnight at the theater one night, which I thought you were at. Um, And I discovered how fucking amazing this movie is. And I'm so mad that I did not watch it sooner. It's so good. It really is. Also, if you guys need context, we used to work at a movie theater and we could stay past closing and watch it on those movie screens. That's what she yeah, means. I was a manager and I had a key and that was my shit. I miss it. Um, oh, I miss it. But also, this is also an anecdote, not related specifically mm-hmm. to Sleepaway Camp, but you made me think of it. It's like, I'm so great. I mean, like, it's one of those things where it's like, I was born in the late 90s. So, like, mm-hmm. it's, I'm a 90s baby, but I know there's like people that are like, that doesn't count because, like, you don't, you weren't like, I don't know conscious enough during the 90s to like remember yeah, like, 90s I was, stuff i was born in 92 so i was eight when it was over like how much do i really remember of the 90s either like it's all it's all counts um but there used to be um it wasn't probably even in the 90s it was like 2000 at this point but there was a blockbuster that was like walking distance from my house so like every week we would like walk to it and we'd get movies for the weekend like and i'm mm-hmm. so beyond grateful that like i got to experience video stores obviously it, it devastates me now that like kids growing up like literally don't know what that is like like i don't yeah, want to be like they don't know what a video store is like i'm sure there's the internet they can look it up they'll fucking figure it out but like they will never be able to experience what that's like. And I just vividly remember that they would have, like, a big fucking TV. Not even a big TV. Like, a TV in the Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And they'd, like, play, like, trailers or shit for, like, different videos you could rent. And I just vividly mm-hmm. remember, like, either being in line or, like, waiting for my dad or somebody, like, to pick out a movie. And just, like, being transfixed on this TV. And it was playing, like, clips of horror movies. And this is when I was really young. So it was before I was, like, heavily into horror. Um... Mm-hmm. 
I vividly remember like a shot from Killer Clowns from Outer Space and a shot from uh, Friday the 13th when um, it's like the fucking camp owner and he's like in his yellow like rain slicker and he's like, uh-huh. oh, hey. And then he gets like, you know, fucking killed. And I just remember like it didn't haunt me, but it was like so mesmerizing to me. Mm-hmm. Like, and I yeah. feel like that it very much is one of the reasons why like obviously years to come I became like so obsessed and in love with horror was just like that initial feeling of being like I don't know what the fuck that was that I just saw (laughs) but I need to find out I love that that's so great I know I know I I first I mean obviously I've seen Scream a thousand times but like Randy I wanted that job I wanted to oh yeah I wanted to be the person who like people would come up and be like what's that movie with the mom from E.T. and I would just go right like Ooh, I wanted that so bad, but alas, they closed before I was able to work there, which is probably why I went to a movie theater, honestly. I well, like, I, I mean, need to be a part of this. I mean, I obviously also was like, by the time I was old enough to have a job, like there was no video stores anymore. Even though, like, right. there was like across the country, I think there's like a few remaining ones, which like I would love to work at. Oh, it's like devastating to me that my dream job, like I would give up any fucking career goals I had if it meant that I could just work at a video store for the rest of my life, and I'm not ashamed <laughs> to say that. Um, but, I mean, the closest I got was when I worked at FYE before it became right. fully um, kind of more about, like, merchandise. And it was just kind of mainly, like, CDs and DVDs. Like, oh, my God, I loved it there. Like, I loved organizing. I bought so- – I have a crazy DVD collection. I bought so many fucking used DVDs and, like, DVDs for, like, two bucks. Oh, my God, it was my fucking paradise. And it was great in Christmas season when people would come in with lists and they'd be like, my daughter wants these. I have no idea what they are. And I'd be like, give it to me. I know exactly what that is. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I wanted. That's what I've always wanted. Uh, <sighs> Maybe one day they'll come back. Uh, that was a fun nostalgia trip. Um, yes. But yes, so I, anyway. I too <laughs> love Sleepaway Camp. I saw it, um, oh, I don't even know, maybe a few years ago. Um, and I, while I also, while I love found footage horror, I also, like, love summer camp horror. I just love the idea of summer camps in general. I never went to a sleepaway camp. I was very much of, like, the Wednesday Adams in Adams Family Values, where it's, like, if you send me to a summer, like, a sleepaway summer camp, I'll fucking burn it to the ground. Like, that was never my thing. I was never a kumbaya bitch at all. Um, But when I got older, it was more so, like, the fantasy of, like, oh, like, I feel like I didn't appreciate it, like, until later in my life where I'm like, oh, that would have been fun where you're, like, away from your family and you make friends and you can, like, stay up late and be mischievous and shit like that. And, like, especially the fantasy of, like, being a camp counselor where you can, like, ooh, have a real summer romance and, like, shit like that. Like, and then, of course, because of my love for things like Friday the 13th and other summer camp horror, like Sleepaway Camp or The Burning or Madman, um, where I'm like, fuck yes, bring me to a camp where no one can help me and set a fucking slasher loose on my ass. Like, that's my goddamn fantasy. You just want to be the final girl. I really do, but, like, in reality, it's, like, I'm definitely not um, the big-titted girl that, like, dies at the beginning because I'm not that stupid and my tits aren't that big. Um, Uh, They're kind of big. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) Um... But, like, I feel like in reality, I'd probably be, like, the one girl where it's, like, you'd be, like, I don't know. She could do, she'd be, she might be fine. And then I, like, die, like, midway through. Like, I make it pretty far, and you're, like, fuck yeah. And then I, like, get that cheap death where you're, like, ah, oh, damn. Even though, like, my spirit and my heart is, like, I am a final girl. I'm, like, a Randy. Mm-hmm. I think we're both Randys. I mean, it's, like. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. It's just, like, 
So if we were in Scream, we would survive. We'd get injured, but we would survive. But, like, we would be the ones that are like, you shouldn't do this, blah, 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 blah. Oh, absolutely. Um, yes. So many tangents. We're living. Um, but, yes. So we love Sleepaway Camp. Um, it is ugh, truly a delight. It's truly an experience. So I'm going to say right now, um, first of all, you can stream. It is completely for free on YouTube, the full thing like fully like as HD as you can get for a movie that was made in the 80s. Um, it's also, I believe, on Tubi and Voodoo, correct? Yes. Um, which are like lesser known streaming services. Tubi's great, actually. Um, Tubi has ends up actually always has like a lot of like horror on it that you can't, that are like kind of like unknowns or like ones where you're like, oh, I've been trying to find this forever. Like no place is streaming it. Um, so they're really good for yep. that. It does just have occasional ads, so I mean, like, you yeah, yeah, totally yeah. lost it. I would prefer to watch it on YouTube, just because you can watch it all the way through, but all are good options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But bef- if you're going to watch it, I mean, you should watch it now, because, like, the the ending of this movie has become iconic. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say any more about it till we get to it. So, like, I don't want to spoil any of the goddamn fun for you if you listen to this and then you watch it. But if you're someone that doesn't care and you're like, no, no, tell me. Because the thing about it is, like, even if you get told what the ending is, it's still one of those things where it's like, you got to see it to believe it. Like, you still have to experience seeing it. So I would always suggest watching first and then coming back and listening to us ramble about it. Um, But if you don't want to, then welcome to the ride of your life. Um, okay, so should we, oh wait, we have, you have some background. Yes, we do. We have some fun little, uh, facts for you. So, um, let's get to that. So this movie, obviously, it's a summer camp. It's supposed to take place in summer, but they shot it in the early fall. So, um, to keep continuity, they had to spray leaves, like brown leaves and brown glass, brown grass, green. So, we love filmmaking. Um, and Jane Krasowski, no, I can't pronounce her goddamn last name, Krakowski, Jane Krakowski was originally supposed to play our leading bitch character, Judy. Shut up. Yeah, I literally, like, that would have been so good. I I was looking this shit up last night, and I saw that, and I was like, I know that name. Like, that's somebody that I know, and I, so, like, I always do this where I'm like, I'm bad with names a lot of the time, so I have to, like, fucking look them up to be like oh yeah i know them from this and i looked it up and i was like shut the fuck up like that would have been incredible although i will say the judy that we do get she delivers she delivers on the bitch factor um so the kid in the movie this one it's like really mean but (laughs) i was dying the kid in the movie that's like just like your resident little nerd boy mozart is his fucking name you know big giveaway um so in the movie, like, the kids, like, they, like, bully him, and they, like, harass him, and they give him shit, and they prank him. Well, apparently on set, they legitimately bullied that kid. Oh, no. To the point where the guy that was playing their, like, cabin counselor had to step in and be like, y'all, enough. That's fucked up. I didn't know that. But, like, something about that is just, like, it's so funny because I feel like all of these, like, horror movies and shit like that where it's, like, the whole, a lot of times the whole, like, premise is, like, oh, this kid was, like, bullied, or, like, they did, so, they, like, couldn't, they didn't know when to stop, and they pushed him too mm-hmm. far, that it's, like, so, not, like, it's, like, funny, for lack of a better word, that, like, on a horror set, where, like, that would be a perfect plot line for a movie like this, they, like, are pushing this kid to the point where, like, what if he fucking snapped and, like, killed all of them? 
Oh my god, imagine. That would be, oh, imagine. Imagine. Um, and it's also fun because the camp that they shot at, the director and the screenwriter, um, I'm so bad with last names, y'all gotta forgive me, Robert Hiltzik, Robert Hiltzik, um, he actually went to summer camp there when he was a little kid. Oh, that's cool, that's fun. So, bringing it full circle, um, now, this oh my god. This is a personal god. experience of his. <laughs> <laughs> Point from experience. Um, some, you're gonna shit yourself when I say this one. Oh god. It's... When I saw this last night, when I was, like, looking at, like, behind-the-scenes shit, I was like, shut. It makes perfect sense that I love this goddamn movie. So, at the beginning of the movie, which we'll get to, there's two little kids. One of them is a girl, one of them a boy. Apparently, the little boy, the part, the actor that plays the little boy at the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. his name is Frank Sorrentino. Okay. Does this ring anything for you? Probably not. If Christi- if our friend Christine is listening, I swear to God she's going to understand immediately. Oh, God. Is he in, like, Goodfellas or something? No, 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 no. Frank Sorrentino. Guess who his fucking younger brother is? Who? <laughs> Mike Sorrentino, a.k.a. The Situation from Jersey Shore. Oh, my God. Fuck off. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm such a Jersey Shore junkie. I am not. Oh, my God. I saw that, and I, like, flipped my fucking shit. It's, well, it's funny, because I, I mean, in that opening scene, which we will talk about, those are the most fucking Italian kids I've ever watched or heard speak mm-hmm. in my fucking life. They are, like, it's unbearable how Italian they are. <laughs> like, the accents are so thick. It's, like, so New York. Oh, my God. Of course, he's the fucking situation's brother. Oh, I live. Um, And oh. then, um, da 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 the cousins later on who then become mm-hmm. kind of like the kids that were following through the story mm-hmm. um this is like it's like it's not gross in reality but like if you think about it too hard it like makes you uncomfortable so like in the movie they play cousins um but in when they were filming the two actors um Jonathan Tierston and Felissa Rose who plays our lead um Angela who has become such a horror icon throughout the years. I believe um, she's been in numerous horror movies since. Not anything, I don't think, as big as Sleepaway Camp. Um, but she, like, is huge at conventions and stuff like that. Um, so, Well, yeah, like I was telling you last night, there I looked on her IMDb last night, and between, like, pre-production, currently filming, and post-production, she's had currently 34 movies right now that are, like, in that stage or in those stages. Like, Which is insane. I mean, good for her getting that coin. I mean, and it also oh, yeah. it's like, at the end of the day, if it's, like, what you love to do, then, like, that's even more of a dream. Like, obviously, you know, we're trying to act, we're out here trying to get this bag, but at the same time, it's, like, <laughs> the dream of being able to, like, get up every day and, like, for your whole career, just, like, do the only, only what you want to do is, like, so much more important to me than, like, money and shit like that. So, like, good for fucking her. But those two actors that I just mentioned that were the cousins, they, like, apparently, like, had somewhat of, like, a puppy love romance Ooh, while filming, weird. which I hate the idea of, like, off screen. They're like, do, 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 do. Okay, and now we're cousins. Well, it's like Dexter when, like, Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter were, like, married but playing brother and sister, and it's, like, gross. Ugh, I just, like... I know that it's acting, but, yeah, like, it is. that's one of the one reasons I feel like I could never be an actor is just, like, I would never be able to separate. Like, if I was in a movie and I was, like, okay, I'm, like, this is my love interest, mm-hmm. like, I feel like I would convince myself that that was real, which I'm sure might translate well on screen, 
but it would like devastate me every time. Like, because when it's off screen, it's like, yeah, we're not actually in love. Like, we're not actually together. I'd be like, fuck you. I would absolutely fall for every. Oh my god, I I fucking know it. Um, and the last thing I have, which um, is more just kind of an observation, is a lot of slasher movies. Um are usually centered around, like, killing, like, teenagers and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, like, usually those teenagers aren't actually played by teenagers. Like, maybe you'll get, like, an 18-year-old in there, but usually you're getting people that are in, like, their mid-20s playing teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie um, is really interesting because, like, it takes place at a summer camp. Um, spoiler, they do not stray away from killing kids and very young counselors. And the thing about this movie is that, like, I believe that the cast is all, like, age accurate. See, that's really interesting because I made note that, because I, and I tried to look it up, but I couldn't find anything that Judy honestly looked, like, 28 years old. And really? You thought she looked, wait, you thought she looked 28? I thought she looked so fucking old. I did not think she looked like a teenager at all. I was like, this woman is an adult. But I guess I was wrong. I just thought she, she just had, like, a very mature face. But, like, when she was standing, like, in any scene with Ricky or Paul... I'm like, this is creepy. She's much older than her. I mean, she definitely looked older than those kids, and I feel like she was meant to be somewhat of a little bit of an older yeah. um, kid at the camp. I mean, I don't, I didn't age check everyone in that cast. Like, maybe she's one of the outliers that is 28 or something. But yeah, because her only credits are Sleepaway Camp and then, like, a couple other things that were Sleepaway Camp related. Right. And it didn't have her birthday on IMDb, so I couldn't find it. Um, but yeah, no, I just thought she, like, looked a lot older than everybody else, but, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Um, alright, so that's our, that concludes our fun facts and our little behind-the-scenes tidbits, so I guess it's time to just, uh, roll right in. Okay, alright, so we open, and it's just kind of a bunch, it's, like, kind of, like, a bit of, like, not, like, a montage, but, like, clipped-together, like, scenery of, like, this campsite, right? So, you, like, you get, like, the lake, you get the the cabins, you get the, like, the archery range, um, and it's all deserted, like, nobody's there, right? Um, and you get these weird, like, overlays of, like, kind of, like, these ghostly, like, where it's, like, kids, it, 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 it's, like, the sound of, like, kids being at camp talking to each other, but there's nobody there, and it will, like, fade away, and then you cut out, and you see that, like, there's, like, a gate closing off the fence and then like a sign over the camp sign saying like it's like for sale so i guess they want you to believe that like essentially i guess it's supposed to be like taking place after everything that happens where it's like oh my god yeah the something happened here and they closed the camp and you're gonna see what that is so then we immediately cut right to like i guess a different time they don't fucking specify there are there's a dad in a lake not necessarily the same lake, but they, once again, don't specify. Um, a dad and his two kids, and they kind of have their little sailboat, and they're just hanging out. Now, like, like the two very Italian kids. Yes. Mike, Mike Sorrentino's older brother, um, and some yes. other girl. Um, and across the lake, there's, like, a speedboat, which <laughs> there's, like, no fucking supervision for. There's, like, this one killed me, because it's, like, they have a speedboat. They got this, he's, like, young. I wouldn't even say, like, he's probably in his teens. Like, lifeguard, quote-unquote, driving it. Some girl that's probably, like, fucking 15 sitting next to him. And then they have this girl that they're (laughs) pulling in the boat on, like, skis. And it's so funny because it's, like, (laughs) 
she they like cut to her and she's clearly going the fuck through it she doesn't want to oh my god she does not want to be on these keys (laughs) like she's like can we stop now please and like they're all listening to her like the two kids on the boat and they hear her and they like she says this and they turn away from her and they're like anyways they're like shut the fuck up what's your name like just get over it but it literally just made me think of like i have to believe that like this is like what wet hot american summer was parodying when with the whole bits of like paul rudd like killing those kids because he's not paying attention yeah like where it's just like they're clearly crying out and they're like hey you need to slow down you need to stop and he's like whatever (laughs) um i wish paul rudd was in sleepaway camp oh my god if paul Rudd was in sleepaway camp I I mean, debatably the best horror movie of all time, then. Um, So then, okay, this is when shit could possibly, this is when shit, like, could possibly get confusing. So you gotta stick with us here. Because there's a developing storyline, backstory, that we continuously come back to, and it doesn't necessarily get easier to understand as you go. Um, So we come back to the dad and his kids. Now there's a man on the shore as well, another grown man. And he yells to the dad. He's like, come on, you gotta come in. Like, the dock is coming. So you're like, who the fuck is the dock? Like, I'm assuming, like, a doctor. So then, like, the dad's like, okay, kids, like, we gotta come in. And mind you, they've, like, done some little gag where they, like, tipped the bow and they, like, made their dad fall into the water. Like, LOL, so cute. Um, And so, like, the kids start saying, like, oh, like, aunt so-and-so. So you're like, okay, so the doctor is their aunt. And they're like, oh, is she bringing um, Richard, her son, or whatever? And he's like, no, Richard's not with her. So now we've established, so there's a dad, his two kids, their aunt, so we're going to assume it's the dad's sister, and she has a son that we haven't, so we haven't seen the aunt or the son yet. So the question remains, like, who the fuck is this other guy on the shore? Like, what is their, what is their relation? So before we can even begin to understand what that is, well, the two motherfucking kids in the goddamn speedboat. It's a cl- it's a classic, y'all, where the girl was like, come on, let me drive the boat. And he's like, bitch, are you out of your mind? I'm going to lose my job. And she's like, please. And he's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Mind you, fucking little Susie Q in the back is, like, still suffering. She's like, get me off these seats. She's, like, being tortured. So as they're, like, driving, they're, like, not paying attention. And then, like, this is kind of iconic. Like, the girls in the skis, like, really, like, brings her all to this performance. Oh, she yeah. said, I'm going to give it to you. Because she starts screaming. She's like, look out, look out, there's a bow, there's a bow. And they're like, what? And then they see this dad and his kids over by their tipped over fucking sailboat. And they're like, and the guy's like, oh, my God, like, you got to turn the boat, you got to turn the boat. So, of course, they cannot turn the boat in time. And they fucking rock it through. Oh, yeah, right over the dad. Oh, my God. And, like, well, they hit, they definitely hit the dad. And you're like, well, the kids were with him. Like, did he, did they fucking kill the kids? So then we, like, immediately cut. So, like, the girl in the skis has, has fallen off at this point, right? Like, the kids in the boat are like, oh, my God, like, we hit them. But they're, like, kind of just, like, devastated. The girl in the water who fell off the skis, her life is over. Like, she is <laughs> screaming like nobody's fucking business. She's like, oh, my God, we hit a boat. Somebody help me. Like, and she just does this, like, sw- sw- like straight up for, like, a full minute. She, like, her lung capacity, like, is unreal. 
Oh my god. And so then we kind of, as she's screaming, we kind of cut and you like see like the dad's body float by and like I think his back is like ripped up. He's clearly dead. He's doing a dead man's float. Was it ripped up? Because honestly, I was like, I expected a more graphic, practical effect. It's that not like ripped up. Like, I feel like there's just like a like a line down or like an open scar wound kind of thing down the middle yeah, of his there was back. Like no blood, from what I remember. I just like I would have appreciated a little bit more gore, right. with it. But other than that, it was a very. I mean, we get some good practical effects attack. later, so we do. But I I wanted to start it off strong with that, and I don't think we got that right. Um. But so then we see, I think we see one kid floating in the water, like their full body, yeah. which I think, I can't remember exactly what it's like. Clearly they're alive. I don't think you can tell which kid it is. Um, and then at, under the dad's body, as he like, as he floats off the screen again, then comes up from underwater, like a ripped up floaty, like one of the like, no, not even a floaty, a life vest that one of the kids is wearing. So at this point you're supposed to assume dad's dead, one of the kids is dead. We don't know which. Um, so you know, this horrible boat accident, right? Cut immediately, it says, eight years later. And oh, <laughs> this is, like, if you didn't know it, like, essentially, like, at the beginning of this movie, like, it's not even, it's not even that crazy yet. It's, like, your stereotypical, like, okay, like, you know, 80s, some, like, not even summer camp yet, because not even after camp yet, 80s horror movie, right? It opens up with a horrible accident that's going to lead into something later. Pretty, pretty standard. Well, then you get eight years later. Um, do you remember the aunt's name? I do not. I just wrote crazy aunt. Yeah. I don't remember this woman's name. But you cut to years later. There's, like, this nice house. You go inside. And you meet <laughs> the most batshit fucking character I have seen in a long time. She, she is not even trying wild. to hide how fucking crazy she is. Like, there isn't even an attempt. Like, literally none. They're like, hey, guys, she's fucking crazy, and that's the character. Like, and not crazy and, like, I'm your crazy aunt. Like, crazy, like, oh, my God, like, I don't feel safe falling asleep in the same house as this person. Like, she's off her meds. She's crazy. Oh, my God. She's in, like, she's a fucking pastel nightmare. She's in, like, a fucking red beret, like, a yellow cardigan. Like, first of all, the colors are too goddamn much. But she is, like, she said she does everything. She has two, like, ways of speaking. She does a sing-song voice when she's speaking to anyone. She's like, Richard, Angela, you're going to miss the bus. Like, not even an exaggeration. That's what she That's very good. Thank you. That was a good impression. I, I was working on it. Thank you so much. Um, and she, But then she does this shit. She does it multiple times where, like, she calls him down. She's like, you're going to miss the bus. Like, hurry up, hurry up. We got to go. Um, and then she, like, turns to, in, in theory, I guess, talking to herself. Like, she, like, turns, and she, like, does this dramatic, like, hand on her mouth, and she's, like, looking at nothing, and she's, like, like, after she says, like, oh, you're gonna miss the bus, she's, like, goodness, no. No, that wouldn't do at all. And then goes back, and she's, like, the kids come down. It's so funny, because, okay, now we meet Richard and Angela. These are our two kids we're following. So, Richard is, so if you guys haven't put it together, well, actually, we'll get to this. Richard is her son. Just a giveaway. Richard is her son. Angela is her niece, who she has taken in. So Angela is the kid that survived the accident. Yes. So Angela is is just, like, mute. She has no emotion. She looks like a fucking zombie. Richard, oh, my God, which I don't blame him. It is, like, so clear that he is, like, so over his fucking mother and, like, whatever the fuck she is on. He's the whole time he's just like, yeah, what the fuck? Like, what do you need? Like, could you chill? Um, but she brings them down, and she's like, oh, I, like, made these lunches for you. And then she does another line where she's like, wasn't that nice of me? 
chips in there. She's like, a whole bag. I can't. It was like, uh, it, honestly, debatably, one of the scary parts of the movie is like, uh, if you if you're watching it the first time, there there has to be a part of you that's like, the kids aren't even making it to camp. She's gonna fucking kill them right here. Like, roll credits immediately. Um, also, she had something going on, which I don't know if it was, like, a trick of the eye or something, but it looks like she was, like, exclusively just wearing, like, uh, like eyeliner, but only on the lower lid, which, like, made her look fucking deranged and unhinged. And it's so funny because there's a girl that I went to college with, maybe Shade, I don't know, um, that, like, when we, whenever we would go out, she would only put fucking eyeliner on the lower lid. And wow, I feel attacked because I also only put eyeliner on Alex, I don't understand. So. It literally looks like, I mean, I've never seen you. Wait, I've never, you it's always I wear do makeup this? every day. Every day I wear eyeliner on my bottom and mascara, and that's it. I have never noticed this. Maybe you're much well, better at I applying it. I am better at it. Yeah, well, I guess the whole thing is, like, being bad at applying it. Because every time she would do this, it would literally just look like she, like, just woke up from a nap. Like, like fucking owl eyes, almost. Like, sucking well, I think in. It's, it's about, like, where you put the eyeliner. Yeah, it just looked she like she had, just, like, before we even went out, it would always look like she had already been th- been through a night out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't fucking care for her, so. Well, I also feel like this woman had, like, I don't know if she was wearing, like, contacts or anything, but she had the bluest eyes I have ever seen. And, like, they were so blue, like, I couldn't barely, I could barely see, like, her pupils. So, like, that added to, like, how fucking scary and, like, insane she looked. Because she was just, like... I don't know. Well, that's she what I'm talking about with the colors. It's like, in yeah. general, it's like, I feel like I don't trust probably any, you know, woman in suburbia in nothing but pastels or whatever, probably because of, like, you know, shit like the Stepford Wives or whatever. But, you know, like, on top of that, like, that's what it adds to, like, how creepy she is with this sing-song shit. Um, so whatever. So the kids, they're they're getting, they're going to summer camp at this point, and apparently they're going to get on a bus that's going to take them there. Um so as they're going to the door, right, and they're, like, ready to leave, she's like, oh, like, I, I almost forgot. And she's like, I have to remember. Like, she keeps going on how she has to remember something. And then she does this shit, which I never understand. She's like, I even tied a string around my finger so I wouldn't forget. And she, like, has a fucking bow of string tied around her finger. The, I don't understand. Like, I know that's, like, that's, like, a thing like, for years, where it's, like, mm-hmm. don't forget, like, I feel like there's even, like, I've seen, like, notepads you can buy where the front is a, an image of a finger or, like, a hand with, a, mm-hmm. like, a fucking bow on it or some shit. <sighs> Why does the bow mean shit? Like, I think it's more just a thing of, like, if I tie a bow around my finger and I'm, like, doing stuff and I'm, like, absent-minded, if I, like, look down and I see that there's a something on my finger, I'll be like, oh, right, I did that because I didn't want to forget. Like, it's just a, a trick to, like, remind yourself to think of something. I don't think it has any, like, significance. I know, I get that. But, like, all I can think about is, like, Neville from Harry Potter. I know that, like, there's one movie and there's, like, a scene where there's, like, some, like, magical thing where it's, like, oh, it's, like, a ball or something where it's supposed to, like, help you remember things. And Neville's literally, like, okay, like, now I remember I was supposed to remember something, but I don't know what the thing was. Like, that's what always got me was just, like, why wouldn't you just write a fucking note? Like, write a note of exactly what you need to remember. And, like, I don't know, tape it to your fucking forehead. Like, the string around the finger is just, like, okay. I don't know. She's already unhinged enough that I was, like, oh, of course she'd be a fucking bitch to tie a goddamn string <laughs> around her finger. But the thing that she doesn't want them to forget is their physicals for camp. Now, this is, if you didn't already feel unsafe with this woman, the next line that she, like, delivers is, like, I'm sorry, 
what? So she gives them their physicals, and then she's like, and make sure you don't tell anyone how you got them. I'm sorry, who? What? Where? What do you mean don't tell anybody how I fucking got them? I would assume we got them from a doctor. Which then she goes on to say, she's like, I mean, I'll, even though I am a doctor. So we're supposed to conclude, I guess, that, like, she's the doctor from the beginning, which you kind of already put together or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she then, because she's a doctor, gave them their physicals. Which at the same right. time, it's like, okay, like, maybe because it's, like, you're their guardian. But at the same time, you're like, well, you're a doctor. Like, why would they care that much? Which once you get to the summer camp, I feel like you're going to be like, why? this summer camp, the way it's run, they would not give a fuck if their mom gave them the physical. But it's, like, just, like, so ominous. Well, yeah, because she also says after, like, don't tell them where you got them. She, like, does that aside to herself. And she goes, no, I'm afraid they wouldn't approve of that at all. And I was like, what do you mean they wouldn't approve? Like, it's very, very sketchy. Right. It's like, like, I think it's like, in my head, I was like, okay, well, maybe it's like something when it's like, when you have to get a reference for a job or something, and they're like, you know, mm. you can't use family. But at the same time, like, it's a physical, like, it literally is just like a medical thing, like, I don't know what you would be lying about, especially if it's your kids. But like, it's just so ominous. And, spoiler, it do- we do come back around to possibly yeah. why this was. Um, but it's just like, it's like such an ominous note, like, to leave them on. And then, yep, they just go off to camp. So, that's that. So, then, here we are at Gloria's summer camp. Oh, my God. This is my fantasy. I mean, just in general. Any, as I said, any summer camp movie, like, when you see the kids and all that shit, I'm like, ooh, fuck yes. Um, like, when we talked to earlier, we brought up What Had American Summer. Like, I, literally any summer camp media fucking spoon-feed it to me. I love it. Um, <laughs> immediately. Uh, if you are... If you are a sane individual at all, or an individual I would want to spend my time with, then the first thing you're fucking clocking when you see this are the goddamn shorts. Oh, the shorts in this movie and the crop tops on the men. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. And the thing about it is, like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, my God, the shorts. But really, the one person that's, like, nonstop delivering on the, like, the shorts is Ronnie. Ronnie is, like, which we will come to see, he's, like, the head counselor. Like, he doesn't really, I don't think, specifically work with one bunk. He kind of, like, he's, like, the counselor for the counselors. Um, He is, like, I can't even begin. I don't even, I mean, I I could not pull off shorts this short, mainly because I don't have an ass. Um, But it's, like, I don't even know how he's doing it. Like, I'm amazed. He's rocking it. Uh, And, yeah, we'll get back to the outfits because there's a big scene with outfits later, which is debatably one of my favorites um but yeah the first thing you clock is like ronnie with the gams out for the gals baby like (laughs) oh my god he's delivering so then we get we cut so at this point we're kind of just like over we're not really necessarily meeting anyone right yet we're like we see angela and richard they get off the bus with a bunch of their kids that are all like running through the camp going to their cabins blah blah blah. and the staff i will say that um other than his aunt, they all call him Ricky. So all my notes call him Ricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I think I call him Ricky from this point on. Um, okay. But because she introduced him as Richard. Um, right, right, So then we also see the staff. So we saw, as I talked about Ronnie, who we'll come back to later, he's standing next to the the owner of the camp, Mel, who also plays a huge role. And then, like, kind of a little ways back behind them, there's the kitchen staff, um, who... The only one that you really need to be concerned with, unfortunately, is Artie. Mm -hmm. Once again, it's like, (laughs) 
I am just so fascinated to know what went through their minds creating this fully. He is an unapologetic pedophile. Oh, yeah. Like, and the thing about it is, like, every, it seems that there's a culture where it's, like, they all know that Ronnie's a pedophile. Not Ronnie. Ronnie. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) How dare I? How dare I slander Ronnie like that? Fucking Lord forgive me. Ronnie is the realest one of the bunch. I'm sorry. Artie is what I meant to say. Artie, like, so essentially what he does, he's, like, he's watching the kids, right? And he, like, the fucking words he uses are disturbing. I wrote them down if you don't have them. I have a few of them. I might miss them. Okay. He calls them baldies. He's, like, where I come from, we call them baldies, which I believe is supposed to make us think about how, like, kids don't have hair on their legs or their pubic area and all that shit, which is, like, you know, so delightful to have to think about. Um... And then he says they make his mouth water. Yep. Like, ugh. and the thing about it is, like, there's another chef with him. Do you remember the guy's name? I don't remember his name. Um, I don't know if I wrote it down. Um, Ben, actually. Ben, yeah. Ben. yeah. He, he's not in the movie that long. But so Ben, the other chef, is kind of like, you know, already, like, you're ridiculous. Like, not being like, what the fuck did you just say, bro? Like, I'm sorry, What? He's just like, yeah, okay, Artie. And Artie's talking about, and he's like, you know, Ben's like, Artie, like, they're too young. And then he says, like, there ain't no such thing as being too young. Mm -hmm. Sir, there very much is. Yep, the very first thing that Artie says is, look at all that young, fresh chicken. I (laughs) fucking hate it. I could not, from this moment on, I was like, okay, can we kill this man? Can he please die? I cannot wait for this man to be dead. Like, I just need it. Well, the so good thing disgusting. about this movie is, like, for every character, which, I mean, I guess another spoiler, but we're going to we're gonna be talking about all of it anyways, is that, like, for every character that they present where you're like, yeah, you're the fucking worst. Mm-hmm. Like, I fucking hate you. You're an at like, or whatever, or, like, someone like this where, like, you're a pedophile. The satisfying thing about this movie is, like, when they, then they present them, I feel like there's an initial reaction of, like, literally, why the fuck is this character in this movie? Like, I don't want them here. Go. Like, why did you guys think this was a good idea? But then they're like, wait, 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 wait. We are going to fucking kill them. Yeah. It makes the deaths more satisfying because I want it so badly. Yes. Um, So then, as we're going through this kids coming to camp, we also meet Judy, who, well, before we meet Judy, we meet Paul. Paul becomes a major player later on. Paul is, like, Richard's best, or Ricky's best friend. Um. He, like, runs up to Ricky, and he's like, oh, my God, like, have you seen Judy? Like, she got tits over the summer. Um, <laughs> Miss Queen Judy. Um, she also aged, like, 15 years. Yeah, she's actually 30 now. Um, <laughs> but so then we kind of, no, so Paul, like, runs off. He's like, I'll catch up with you guys later. Um, mind you, Angela is with Ricky this entire time. She's just not speaking. She's just, like, a zombie still. And then we cut to see Judy. Because Judy is, like, Miss Thing. She got a side ponytail. She got her short mm-hmm. shorts on, baby. And she's flirting with, like, three guys at once. Which, honestly, I support. Um, so she – and it's very clear that, like – because oh, because Ricky tells Angela that him and Judy, like, went steady last summer. Which is why the age thing always, like, made me feel weird. Because Ricky, to me, looks like he's 14. Right. And Judy, at best, is, like, 18. So I'm like mm. – that makes me feel weirdly. Like, I'm sure she's supposed to be like 15, 16 and just like had a good summer, but like it, it when they're standing next to each other, like she has like a almost like a foot on him. Right. And I'm like, this is very weird. 
but yeah, so it's like clear that like the, the plot line or like the storyline for her is that like she once was just like a regular girl and then ov- over the last year since last summer camp, she got tits and she got an attitude. Um, so now she's Don't we all? I mean, yeah. It's what we just we I mean, as women, that? like we d- I mean, we got to go through a lot of shit. So you know what? If I get tits and that gives me power over you, you better fucking believe I'm going to exploit it. Oh my fucking god. Do you think I'm going to be like, "No, no, no." no. It's pat like I love I feel like growing up, sorry to take this tangent, but I feel like because of the so- the society we live in and the patriarchy and all that shit, where it's like it teaches you to kind of be like as a woman like ashamed of your sexuality. Mm-hmm. and ashamed of yourself and whatever and it wasn't until I got older and like thank god for like things like the internet or whatever where you have more access to people and more ideas and whatever that like learning that it's like no and even still like I have it so ingrained in me sometimes that I have to like overcome it and like remind myself that it's like your sexuality as a woman like is your power where like mm-hmm. like your choice like all of that like is your power whether you have sex or whether you don't have sex like it is still your power and like you better lord it over every fucking person yeah, you can. Yeah, go for it. I mean, yeah, it's like, we have such fucking... Take the disa- power you can get. We have such disadvantages in this world that, like... Oh, yeah. If I can use that shit to, like, destroy a man, <laughs> um, how fucking... Yes, my fucking planner is booked up, bitch, with that. Mm-hmm. Um, So good for Judy. Good, literally good for Judy. It's like... They know that Judy's so powerful that they have to make her such a righteous bitch mm-hmm. that you're like, okay, I guess, like, she has to die. I mean, like, Jesus. Right. Um, but, so, it's clear that, like, you know, Judy is over-fucking um, Ricky. Then we get to the cabin, right? So, Ricky and Angela split off, and she goes to the girl's cabin, he goes off to the boy's cabin. So, Angela gets to the girl's cabin. We see all these girls in there. Angela's sitting crisscross applesauce on her bed, laser-eyeing. Judy like Judy's like two beds away like unpacking her big ass suitcase and Angela is just like fucking lasered in on her for whatever reason just like staring Mm -hmm. so then we meet two other of our I guess important one of them is more important than the other we meet two other of the older girls which I they're actually not even older girls they're two of the um counselors but they're also like okay so there's Meg she's one of the cabin counselors. And she makes it clear she's also a bitch. From I'm straight Meg. up. M-E-G. As if we needed it spelled for us, right? Um, but so she's like, you know, I'm running the... It's clear she's running the cabin or whatever. Um, but the thing that's weird about this is, like, which we'll see kind of later on as the movie goes on, is, like, she's, like, kind of also, like, really close with Judy. So she, like, not that, you know, like, a counselor can't be friends with a camper, but, like, friends in a way where it's, like, they're, like, together out to get Angela. Um, well, they seem to be around the same age, too. Right. Which is, again, why I feel like she's a little bit older. Um, and then there's Susie, which she's like, oh, and this is the complaint department, and it's Susie, who's actually a very nice, sweet counselor. Who, yeah, they're, like, like, good cop, bad cop. Right. Who, throughout the movie, kind of comes to Angela's aid when, like, people are ganging up on her. So, yeah, and, like, Angela's just staring at Judy, and Judy's, like... What the... Which, honestly, I don't blame Judy at this point. Like, if I was somewhere and someone that I never met but was just staring at me, I'd be like, can I fucking help you? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of how she reacts. Creepy. Angela stares in the most fucking terrifying way. It's just, like, unblinking, will not stop, will not, like, move. Right. She's so... I, I need to honestly perfect it. 
I mean, it's definitely a useful trait to have. Yeah, for when men try to talk to me, I just want to use that stare. Right. Um, but yeah, and then, like, kind of Judy's just kind of like, you want to fucking take a picture? And then it just kind of, like, goes off from there or whatever. So then we go to the mess hall. They're having, I assume, dinner. Well, actually, no, yeah. Actually, I think it's lunch. Because later on in what follows, they talk about, like, he's, Mel's like, get dinner ready. Um, so they're having what I assume would be, like, lunch or something. And they're all, the, they're, you know, everyone's at their tables. And Judy is at her, not Judy, uh, Angel's at the table with her cabin mates. And she's not eating anything. So Meg is on her ass about, like, not eating anything. So she goes and gets Ronnie. Oh, and Ronnie is delivering once again in these fucking shorts. Can I also say that when she goes over to get Ronnie, she's also talking to Mel, who is, like, hugging her. And, like, I'm pretty sure smacks her ass. And let us be clear. Meg is probably 16, 17, and Mel is, like, in his 50s. And it was just, like, an immediate, like, oh, no, I don't think I like this man. Very creepy. Oh, I would say he's in his fucking 60s, too. He's I mean, an like, old-ass man. Yeah, and, like, this continuously comes up. Where, like, they don't, yes. once again, they are unabashedly doing this. Like, making it clear that, like, something is going on between this young counselor, Meg, and the he- fucking owner of the camp, Mel. So, Ronnie comes over. Literally, my note is, Ronnie in them shorts. <laughs> like, is. I, wrote, I wrote, Ronnie is wearing an insanely small and tight set of swim trucks, bright red. Yeah, like, they can't even, they can't even be shorts. They can't even be considered shorts. It's literally, like, underwear. Um, Very tight. And it's so funny because it's, like, while there are an, a plethora of other, like, short shorts in this, especially for the men, like, oof, there's, like, some cut-off jorts, which, like, get me hot in a way we can't even talk about. Um, none of these shorts compare to Ronnie's shorts. Which is why it's so funny for a multitude of reasons. It's just that, like, nobody once is just like, hey, like, why does Ronnie have the shortest fucking shorts ever? <laughs> like, they kind of just accept, like, that's Ronnie's thing and we don't talk about it. Um, but this is, like, the first time where we kind of fully get, like, the kind of good guy Ronnie is. Like, I love that the person I can trust the most in this movie is the man with the shortest shorts. That kind of just yes. speaks to my goddamn soul. Um, so he comes over and he's like, what's wrong, Angela? Like, and like Meg's like, she's not been eating. She hasn't been eating anything since she got here. So of course Ronnie's concerned. He's not like, what the fuck, Angela? Like Meg is. He's like, oh, well, like, look, he's like, you know what? Like, why don't I take, like, here, come with me. Like, let's go back in the kitchen and see if we can find something that you want to eat. Like, oh, so nice. So nice. Um, so he takes her to the back of the kitchen, which when this happens, um, well, we'll get to that in a second. So he, unfortunately, if you remember, Artie, our resident pedophile, is in the kitchen. <laughs> so when Ronnie takes Angela back there, now it would appear that, because I have to believe in my heart of hearts, that Ronnie doesn't know that Artie is pedophile because Ronnie is so pure and so good, um, that he leaves Angela with Artie. He's like, Artie, can you, like, help her find something to eat, blah, blah, blah. And Artie's like, sure thing. Um... <laughs> Let me take you to my walk-in freezer. Literally. Um, So he, like, takes her off, and then we cut back quickly to, um, oh, the girls at the table, who are clearly, like, now that, like, now it's been solidified, like, they don't fucking like Angela. Because not only is she weird, because she stares and she doesn't talk, now they're like, oh, she's like a fucking little spoiled bitch. Like, she gets Mm -hmm. just to eat whatever she wants. She doesn't have to eat, like, the rest of us. Like, fuck her. Um, So as they're getting pissed about that, 
at the table, Ricky walks up and is like, where's Angela? And that, that's when they tell him, like, well, you know, spoiled little bitch went in the back to eat. Um, cut back to the back. Now we're in the closet. And, like, he already wastes no time being a predator. He's just like, see anything you like, blah, 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 blah. And, like, Angela's still, like, not talking, but, like, clearly petrified. Is like backing away from her and he's like advancing on her and he's like undoing his belt buckle. He also well, calls her a sweet looking little cupcake. He does. Yes, he does. Yes. Oh boy. Um, welcome to the life of literally being a woman in any situation. Yeah, that's why I need to take the stare that she has because it works. I mean, does it work in this situation? Not, a, not in this situation, right. but like just in general. Um, so the other thing to another important thing to note about Ricky is like Ricky's fucking crazy. But also, like, we stan. He's on some king shit. Um, So Ricky kind of comes in, right? And Artie hears him, so he's like, ooh, and, like, buckles his belt. And he turns, he sees Ricky. And Ricky isn't even, like, like, what's going on here? Or he's like, uh, Ange. Like, immediately, zero to 60, he's like, hey, what the fuck is going on in here? And I'm like, yo, I respect that fucking life. So he, like, Artie is like, throws Ricky against the box and he's like, you didn't see anything? And Ricky's like, okay, okay. So they run out. So thank God he saves Angela, right, in the nick of time. So then we kind of immediately cut to, like, what we assume is, like, lunch is over, everyone's left, and we're in the kitchen. And it's just Artie and Ben. And they are ta- They have a huge, like, unbelievably so huge fucking pot of water. Like, so fucking tall that, like, they have to get on a fucking chair to, like, be able to lift the lid off. So they're boiling water for something. So, like, Ben is, like, going somewhere, doing something, right? He's, like, going to leave momentarily to do something. And Artie's, like, you know, waiting for the water to boil so he can put the corn in. So uh, he gets up on the chair. Like, he's, tr- he's trying to put salt in water, and he has no salt left. So he's, like, oh, fuck. So he walks off. And when this happens, we get our classic slasher movie point of view shot where we're clearly seeing something from which you can assume probably is the killer's point of view. Mm-hmm. So they sneak into the kitchen undetected, and they, like, hide. Well, then Artie comes back, and he gets up on the chair, and he's, like, salting it. And then here comes our little killer. And all we see is, like, little kid hands. So the kid hands, like, shove the chair a little bit. Or, like, no, they didn't even shove it. They, like, pull it out they a put, bit. No, no, they push him on his ass. They push his ass forward. And he, like, falls forward. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because so I was like, why'd you have to do his ass? Why'd you have to touch him? Um, Ugh. So he falls forward, and he, like, kind of catches himself on this tiny little, like, rickety shelf that's right above the pot. So he turns around. And this is something they do great throughout the whole movie, which is that, like, they make it clear that, like, for most of these people, that it's, like, whoever this point of view is or this killer is, it's somebody that they recognize. Mm -hmm. But the way that they speak to them, you can't get anything out of it. Like, it doesn't spoil anything. They don't, like, give anything away other than the fact that it's someone that's, like, young. Well, because it's always like, hey, it's you. Right. What are you doing here? So, like, Artie starts talking to this person, and it's clear that it's a kid from the way he talks to them. He's like, oh, like, what are you doing in here, blah, blah, blah. So then, like, he's like, okay, like, uh, enough is enough. Like, you know, like, help me up or whatever. Like, help me out here. And the kid's hands, then after they push his ass, that's when they start taking the chair that he's standing on, and they start pulling it out from under him. And he's, like, losing it. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, don't do that. Like, I swear to God, I'm going to, like, fucking rip your head off when I when I get out of here. And the kid is like, whoever it is, is like, what was that? And, like, they keep pulling the chair further. And now, mind you, because he's, like, stretched out 
clinging for life on his top shelf. Well, the second they like do that final pull and they rip that chair out from under him, oh my God, does he go down? He like obviously, and he's a big man. He's like, a, he's a big man. So when he falls, <clears throat> he grabs the pot of boiling water mm-hmm. and he's, he's not going to save himself. He's falling to the floor. And because he grabbed the pot of water, he takes this, we cannot emphasize, it is a huge fucking pot of boiling water. I've never seen such a pot. It's massive. literally. Um, and it comes tumbling down on top of him. So, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, the ex- how extreme the injuries are feel a little exaggerated. But also, I don't even care because at the same time, like, if you ever, like, burnt your hand on something, like a stove or on hot water, like, that shit fucking hurts. Now imagine, oh, like, literally, like, gallons upon gallons, like, searing your skin. Like, I can't. It's, it's, it's brutal. So, yeah, so he falls on the floor and the water falls all over him. He's screaming. It's horribly burned him. So at this point, I guess the little culprit has run off. And uh, Ben comes running back in. And we can't see yet what he sees, but he's, like, looking down in horror. And then we do a cut. And there's already on the floor. His skin is like, it's it's already like it's red. There's welts. Like the the fucking skin is like bubbling off of him. Yeah, it's like almost melting. Like, and it's exactly what he deserves. I mean, so then immediately there's like a, a quick cut, and it's like there's like EMTs or whatever there, and they're like he's all ba- now we can't see Guardian anymore. He's like completely like head to toe mummified like bandage, um, and they're like carting him away. Um, which I guess, like, our own, I, I probably, it's probably the same for you. My only complaint is that, like, oh, already got what was coming to him, and it was epic. Like, yeah, fucking burn his skin off. I just wish he was dead. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, he's, it's pretty clear that he does not die. I mean, because that's really the last we see of him. Which is unfortunate, but, I mean, he is gonna be scarred for the rest of his life. Right. Yeah, because you know he doesn't die because later, when other people do die, they get cut it off in, like, body bags. Like, he's mm-hmm. just going bandaged in a stretcher. Yeah. Um, but there is a moment where the doctor is talking to Mel about <clears throat> Artie's injuries, and he keeps emphasizing, like, he's in so much pain. Like, we can't even give him the medicine that, like, is going to help him. Like, he's just going to be in, like, all this pain right now. So, like, that's very satisfying. Because you're like, this man is fucking, like, destroyed. And he's screaming in the background, like, the whole time. Right. Um, so, Mel, as you said, so as he's getting stretched out, there's Mel in the kitchen. So here's, like, a running gag, I guess, is that, like, Mel is your classic, like, he's running a fucking business. Like, this is bad for business. So immediately he's just like, okay, yeah, fucking get him the fuck out. Like, can you, like, guys, like, fucking cart his fat ass out of here a little fucking quicker? Like, because he's like, we need to cover this up, and he's like, you know, it was an accident, you guys. Like, it's clearly a fucking accident. We don't need to tell any of the goddamn campers about it. Like, he then, like, goes to, like, Ben. And he's like, Ben, you know what? You're fucking promoted. How does, like, 50 more dollars a week sound? And all you other, like, kitchen workers, 15 more dollars a week. But here's the catch. Shut your fucking mouth about what happened. If anyone asks, just say that Artie got a new job. Like, we don't need to scare anybody. So, like, that becomes, like, a running thing. It's like... Mel is like, everybody relax. There's nothing wrong. It was an accident. Shut your mouth. Um, so then we cut. Here is, um, now we're at my favorite scene, debatably, of the movie. <laughs> of course it is. So we are in the boys' cabin. Now, one of my favorite movies, not horror, is Everybody Wants Some. And they're giving this kid, who is the resident nerd of the cabin, Mozart, as we previously discussed, 
they're giving him the everybody wants some gag treatment, which I guess I from the fact that these are both movies that are I mean, Sleepaway Camp is from the eighties, and Everybody Wants Some is supposed to take place in the eighties. I guess this was like the like hot fucking prank to do in the eighties. So they're doing the mind over matter prank where they have Mozart laying on the ground. He's got like a towel covering his eyes so he can't see anything. And he's laying like like laying flat on the ground. And they're like, and Ricky, who's also apparently a resident prankster, um, is talking to Mozart and he's like, yeah, like it's this whole thing mind over matter and you won't even believe how hard it is to like make yourself concentrate when you can't see to like do one sit up. And you know, Mozart's like, ah, what are you talking about? And he's like, I'm fucking serious, Mozart. So as this is happening, of course, you got one of the other camp- the campers, and he pulls his shorts down. So he's like, okay, Mozart, in the count of three, you're going to try to sit up. So of course, of course, Mozart can sit up. And he sits up right into one of these kids' ass cracks. And they're like, ah, ha, ha, And like, Mozart's like, you guys are gross. <laughs> um, so as this happens, like, their, account- their counselor comes in, and he's like, all right, come on, guys. Like, it's the baseball game. Like, I got a lot riding on you, whatever. Like, we're going to win. This scene oh my god, is incredible because of so much, I mean, because of the lines in it, because of the fact that it doesn't make sense, and because of the fact that it literally serves absolutely no purpose in the movie. Well, no, the purpose is to show us some hot guys. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying that it shouldn't be in there. <laughs> I mean, plot-wise, it serves no purpose. I'm still grateful that it's in there. So we get, we get to the baseball diamond. We got the one team of the kids from Ricky's cabin, who are all kids that are probably, like, you know, 13, 12, 13, right? Then the kids that they're playing against are, like, full-grown guys. Like, guys that are probably all 18 years old. Like, and all the older guys are all in, like, cut-off shorts, crop tops that are, like, just covering their boobies. And they're looking good. Oh, my God. Like, I cannot emphasize enough. Like, that look is the hottest look to me in the world. Like, a fit man in goddamn shorts and a goddamn crop top. Like, oh, my God. You could run over me with a car. I don't give a fuck. You can do whatever you want to me. Like, it's it's so good. So, we get to look at that for a majority of the scene. So, What's great about the scene is, like, so you're, you're seeing this, right? And you're like, oh, my God. Like, this is totally not a fair game, right? Like, these older kids are going to, like, fucking pummel these little shits. You are so beyond wrong. The fucking older kids are so confident, right? They're like, some, I don't even understand the bet they make. Like, they're like, $5 a guy, which I, I think means, like, th- they have to pay the other team $5 for every fucking guy they get on base or something or, like, guy they get home doesn't matter. So they make this bet. Ricky, when I talk, tell you, Ricky is on some king shit. He is so calm. He, he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, yeah, okay, pussy. He's like, whatever. Like, so then the game commences. So we have, like, a prolonged baseball sequence, as I said before, for no plot purpose at all. No, so no the younger boys, so they're up to bat first. They are handing the other boys their asses like really like they are all like every kid on ricky's team is like hitting it to the fucking outfield getting on base like truly like giving it to them right so you're like what the fuck they're how are they this good then you cut now it's reverse so now the older guys are up to bat and the only older person on ricky's team is their um their counselor who's just pitching um so, 
they are like, <laughs> this is when the real shit talking begins, which is something that I'll come back to later about this film. But like the level of just like aggression throughout the film that these kids like have for each other, like verbally is incredible. Um, so they just start like, you know, yelling shit at each other and blah, blah, blah. Because, like, you know, the older kids are, like, pissed, really. Because they're, like, doing so bad. And there is an incredible line. An incredible line. Like, truly, like, let's just take a moment of silence to appreciate this fucking line. <sighs> Where one of the older boys, oh, his name is Be- Bill. Bill's up to bat, right? And here's fucking Ricky. I think he's playing, like, fucking second base or, like, shortstop. I can't remember. Um, and... <laughs> He's like, I don't even know if Bill, uh, if Ricky said anything beforehand, but like, Bill's so fucking pissed because like Ricky's just like so full of himself and smug, and he's like, eat shit and die, Ricky, which like already is just like, oh my god, you guys relax, and with such fucking grace, like he doesn't even skip a beat, like, and the one kid is like yelling at Ricky, he's like, eat shit and die, Ricky, it's like Ricky could not give a fuck, and. I can't. This, like, truly, like, sent a shiver down my spine how good it is. He goes, eat shit and live, Bill. Oh. Iconic. It literally is iconic. Like, I'm not even doing it justice in my delivery. Like, you might be thinking, that's it. Shut the fuck up. It's so good. You like it, It's just, like, not only, like, how deliciously intelligent it is. Like, when you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah. To eat shit and live and then have to live with the fact that you ate shit, like, that's so much worse. But the fact, and but it's the delivery that seals it. It's the delivery with how quickly he comes back with it and how nonchalantly he delivers it to him. It's a fucking death blow. Oh my God. Like, honestly, debatably, one of the most fatal kills of the movie <laughs> is the delivery of this line. Yeah, and I agree. Um, so yes, I, I mean, that just seals this movie as like one of my favorites. Um, but so then just fully solidify, if it wasn't clear at this point, how fucking bad these older kids are and apparently how amazingly good these younger kids are is here's fucking resident dork Mozart, of course, in the outfield playing a handheld boxing game. He doesn't even have his fucking glove on. He's got it tucked under his arm. He's like class, which kills because it's like, it's just so funny because he's like, oh, he's a nerd, so he doesn't do sports. But the way that he's a nerd is, like, playing sports games. Whatever. Sure. So at, he's, like, fully not prepared, right? He literally has a handheld device in his hand, doesn't have his glove on. Well, one of the guys hits a ball to the outfield, and they're like, oh, my God, blah, blah. So Mozart's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and Matt miraculously puts the glove on. He runs a good fucking amount. Like, it's not like a pop fly that's hit right to him. Like, he has to run from, like, fucking right field to, like, center field almost. Like, honestly, past center field. And he just, just like, like it's nothing, catches this fucking ball. And, like, that's, like, that's just, like, the level where it's, like, the worst guy on the younger kid's team who probably has never even put a fucking glove on in his life before still can make a miraculous play. And these, like, these older kids can do nothing. It's just, like, a crazy scene for all the reasons I stated. Like, the outfits, incredible. Like, the fact that it serves no purpose, incredible. The fact that it's, like, I guess the only thing it's trying to prove to us is, like, these younger kids are fucking beasts. Well, I also think that, I mean, I don't think that's the end of the scene because I'm pretty sure the scene 
ends very quickly after um, with Ricky making a double play to end it. And right. then they win. Um, so I think the whole point of the scene is just to be like, give the like older boys something to be pissed about and to have like motivation to get back at the younger boys later on. Right. But like, other than that, there's really no point to it. Yeah, I mean, like, it's one of those things where it's, like, I, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, have they never played a sport before? Like, if they're going to be masculinity. Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's one of the things where it's, like, in theory, you'd be, like, well, like, I mean, they won. It's not like they cheated. Like, the whole, you should be mad at yourselves. But right. because, like, you know, fragile mas- masculinity, it's, like, they can't take blame for that. It's, like, well, and also, I mean, I guess the level of shit talking from both sides isn't, like, making anything better. Um, but, yeah, that concludes the, uh the miraculous baseball segment which debatably other if we take the twilight baseball scene out of the running it is my favorite baseball scene ever in a movie that is not a baseball movie so uh we now cut to nighttime we are at a dance in like the rec hall area um angela is sitting completely by herself on a bench eating a chocolate bar i feel that that is me, mm-hmm. honestly, at that age. Yeah, just sitting alone. We want to know a fun fact is apparently when they – I'm sorry to interrupt. No, um, when they were auditioning people for Angela, apparently – I don't know if it was the whole audition, but it was a huge part of the audition – was they would have the girls, like, just blank-faced staring and miming eating a chocolate bar, <laughs> like, to see if they would fit for the role. Well, honestly, that's, like, 60% of what she does. Yes. So that makes sense. So we see her there, and then we, you know, move over to this group of older boys who are talking about how they're going to go skinny dipping with a bunch of the girls tonight, and we're going to have to convince them to, you know, you've got to come with us. we got to go skinny dipping. And one of them makes a joke saying, like, oh, you should invite Angela. And they're like, oh, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. But, you know, boys will be boys, so they dare her to go, dare one of them to go over to her. Mm-hmm. So two of them go over, and they're like, hey, Angela, we're going to do a skinny dipping tonight. You want to come with us? And this bitch does not, like, miss a beat. She just, like, stares straight through them. Keeps eating a chocolate bar. And that's the energy I want, to just, like, be able to respond to disgusting men by just looking at them and not giving them anything. And, you know, unfortunately, it does not, like, deter them. So they keep talking to her. They call her a nut cake. They call her Looney Tunes. I'm pretty sure one of them at one point says, like, hey, Angela, why are you so fucked up? And then Ricky shows up with Paul, and he is wearing the most fucking comically large <sighs> cowboy hat I have ever seen in my life. It, yeah. And, oh, I was living. It cannot be it's my favorite overstated how big the hat is. Like, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is. So, here's the thing about the hat. First of all, to wear a hat that big with this much confidence, mm. like, the swag levels are off the chart. Like, yeah, you can't even measure. Once again, fucking ricky on his king shit it never fails and the other thing about this hat is like you don't walk into a fucking room with this kind of hat on if you are not ready to throw hands that's kind of how i have to view this like i would never if i was ready if i was walking up kill bill style ready to fucking go at somebody on site you better believe I'm rocking that big-ass cowboy hat. <laughs> like, I, this is sending the message to them that I did not come to fucking play. And that's literally exactly what happens, essentially. Yeah, it's intimidation factor, honestly. Mm-hmm. So he comes in with this, like, fucking ridiculous hat. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. He, we do need yeah. to mention, just quickly, that right before Ricky walked in, Mel also walked in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and went right over to Meg, which is just another instance of solidifying that something is going on in this horrible age gap relationship. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about it. It's disgusting. Yeah. But it is part of the movie. Um, so, of course, despite the fact that he has this very large hat covering probably his eyes, he sees immediately the two boys, like, harassing Angela. And because he is her, like, warrior, he goes right up to them and he pushes one of the boys and starts yelling at them. And is like, what the fuck are you doing? Leave her alone. And so this big brawl ensues. A bunch of guys start fighting. Of course. Yes. And so... One of the campers, the counselors, comes over and he breaks them up. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Stop it. You're all out of here. Get rid like, leave. You all need to leave. So he kicks Ricky out. He kicks the other boys out, which they're fine with it. They want to go skinny dipping anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paul takes this opportunity and he's like, okay, I'm going to go see. I'm going to slide in them DMs is what he says. Seriously. So he goes over to Angela and he's like, hey, Angela, I'm Paul. Do you remember me? We met, like, last week. Hey, I'm sorry your family's dead. <laughs> and I'm just like, bitch, way to just like jump around. Paul said, I have a perfect icebreaker for this situation. <laughs> hey, so I heard your fucking dad died in a horrible boating accident. Yeah. Sorry about it. Ricky told me everything. Um, and then as if surprisingly, that doesn't really like do much. So he's like, okay, uh, yeah, like Ricky and I are like really good bros. We've like, we strung up these like girls' panties last year. It's so <laughs> funny. And she's just like, doing her stare right it's like not impressed and i'm like oh fucking paul give it up so luckily he realizes that it's not really working and he's like all right oh and the, the counselor comes back and he's like come on you're coming with me so paul is like okay so he gets up to leave and he's like okay well it was nice talking to you angela bye and as he's walking away for the first time angela very quietly says good night and it's adorable i mean yeah i literally and, she has like the cutest little voice he's like good night. oh she does it's adorable. And so he's, like, taken aback by it. I don't know why she chose him as, like, the person who got to hear her speak for the first time. I mean, it's, like, at least for her male options, like, she has nothing to work with. I guess that's very true. Although, if she's it was me, <laughs> first man Ronnie, I would speak baby. to is Ronnie. Yeah. Shocking. Um, you have great taste in that. I know. Let's not even talk about uh, it. Moving on. That's, anyway, um, so he, you know, skips off. Very, very happy. And we cut over to Judy, who's, of course, surrounded by Meg. Uh-huh. But she's uninterested in them. She's just watching Angela. And she looks kind of, to me, like, both curious and kind of annoyed that she has this, like, attention from this boy. So I thought that was an interesting moment. Uh-huh. And then we cut back to all the boys who got kicked out. And they are now at the lake with all the girls. And they're trying to convince them to go skinny dipping with them. And all the girls are their wives. They know that, no, thank you. Mm-mm. I do not want to get naked with these boys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're trying and trying, and it's not working. And we cut over to these other two guys who are just, like, smoking weed under the canoe. Well, the two guys, which I realized, mm-hmm. are the two guys that tried to get Angela to come. Okay, that makes sense, yes. So they're off on their own, and they're, like, getting high, and they're hanging out, and they're laughing, they're having fun. Which, I mean, if I'm going to skinny dip with a bunch of men, or I'm going to smoke with my one friend, I feel like they, they have the right idea. Yeah. Because I don't, I, no, I'm not going to get into a lake naked at night. Not really. No, see, that's one um, thing I was thinking. Well, I'll get to that, actually. I'll bring that up okay. in a moment. So we cut back over, and the boys are like, whatever, we don't need you. Whatever, we're going to go by ourselves. Which is, so they're <laughs> is literally so beyond funny because of the fact that, like, literally in the last scene, the entire mm-hmm. instigated, like, the entire thing that instigated everything 
was the fact that they were, like, trying to get girls to go skinny dipping with them. And the one guy was even like, oh, like, what are we going to do? Like, skinny dip with, like, five girls and 15 guys? Like, very much making the statement of, like, that would be weird and, like, you know, very much, like, fragile masculinity, like, you know, that's gay or whatever. But then instantly at the lake when the girls are, like, which, one, you have to, first of all, more than five girls for sure. Then you're questioning, like, why did the girls even show up? Which then... I'm like, maybe they show up saw just see some ass, honestly. And I don't blame them. Um, you do see a lot of ass. You see a lot of white, untanned ass. Um, mm-hmm. But immediately, they're just like, you know what? Fuck you, girls. You don't have to have, you like, you don't know how to have fun. <laughs> and then immediately, they're like, let's go, boys. And then strip. And then all of them in, like, a huge cluster of, like, 15 white butts just, like, mm-hmm. jump in the water. Which is just, like, funny where it's like, listen. If you want to go skinny dipping with the bros, you do you. I'm not judging. But at the same time, it's just, like, such a fucking switch from being, like, I will not go skinny dipping if we don't have enough chicks. And then all of the girls are, like, literally, I'm not getting in the water with you. And they're, like, fuck you. We're going to have the best time of our lives. Boys night. Literally. Oh, I, I would go to that boys night. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> so... All the boys, they go into the water, and then the two who are smoking come back over to the group of girls, and uh, one who I believe his name is Kenny. Yeah. He's trying to get one of the ladies to go on a canoe with him. So he's he's talking to this one girl. He's like, come on, come on the canoe with me. We'll go on the lake. It'll be really fun. And she's smart, and she's like, no, I'm good. But Leslie's coming down in a minute. Like, why don't you ask her? Which is kind of rude. Like, we're to throw your friend into the bus. Yeah. Just, like, creepy dude. That's a huge tone of this movie, too, is, like, women are not supporting women in this movie. <laughs> not even a little no. bit. No. So the other friend is just, like, dying. Just, like, laughing hysterically at everything that's happening. Yeah, he's having, really like, a spasm or something. Yeah. He, like, I don't know if he's fully aware of, like, what's going on. So... We cut to a canoe, so it is assumed that um, Leslie has come down, and she is now on the canoe with Kenny, and they're going, and she has her hand in the water, and she's feeling it, and of course, because he's a shit, a dipshit little boy, he's like, oh, you should be careful, there's probably water snakes and snapping turtles, and they're gonna get you, and she's like, shut up, like, you're not funny, so he starts to rock the boat slowly and slowly until it gets, you know, very fast, and then, of course, they tip over. And the smartest thing that she... Okay, this is the thing yeah. I was going to bring up. Like, because you said earlier, like, I don't want to go in the water when it's dark oh, at night. No, no. I would be livid. Like, she it definitely gets mad at him. She's like, you know, you're a jerk or whatever. I have noticed that, like, <clears throat> I never thought about it when I was little. But even now, like, if I go to the beach in broad daylight, I get, <clears throat> excuse me, really weird about getting in the water. Just because it's that thing about, like, I mean, there's a bunch of scary shit that we haven't Mm -hmm. discovered in the oceans, first of all. But on top of that, like, I can't see what I'm, what's beneath me. I'm just, like, walking blindly and, like, anything could grab me, like a crab or something. So then you make it, like, nighttime in, like, probably a dirty fucking lake. Oh, yeah, no. I have issues with, like, going into water, like, big pools of water when it's dark out anyway. And, like, if I'm at the beach and fucking, like, seaweed touches my leg, I, like, am paralyzed. Like, it's awful. I'm out. Like, I can't do it. Did you ever have the thing growing up where you would think that, like, when you would, like, in a swimming pool, <laughs> yes. even though it made no sense, sometimes you get nervous there was a yes. fucking well, shark like down there? I for that because there's the scene in the pool where oh, the shark yes. is in the pool, and I was always like, oh, my God, it's possible. So, yeah, right. I would, like, we had a pool in my backyard, and I would always go swimming, and it would be, like, middle of the day. Like, I could hear my neighbors, 
and it was like not a big pool and i would still be like underwater with my eyes closed like oh my god i'm gonna open my eyes to see a shark thinking about it right now is like making my body go numb it's a rational fear i've ever had but it's one i've definitely always had and i mean i also have like a whole thing with like yeah whales and sea creatures that i will not get into but i feel like that stems with it yeah i mean i have a whole thing with animatronic sharks Mm -hmm. that i will not get into talk in depth okay so she gets pissed and she swims off she's like fuck you i'm done with you i'm leaving so she swims off um and he instead of swimming after her or you know turning the canoe right side up and getting back in the canoe he goes under the water and he pokes his head up in the air hole underneath the canoe and he starts to call out to her leslie leslie to try to be like spooky or shit um and it just doesn't really make much sense to me because I think at this point she's already like on the dock with the girls and they've walked off and they're like you're an idiot yeah. bye um, and so we cut back to him under the canoe and we see a head yeah wait wait, wait. <laughs> he's also after he did the calling he then switches over yes. to singing which I made note of what, what he was singing, singing. He literally is just like, you know, like, Leslie, Leslie. And then he's like, hey, Bobbery Bob. Hey, hey, Bobbery Bob. Like, what the fuck is he doing? That checks out. That's true. He's He's having a good time. He's partying under that canoe. Party of one. Uh, So (laughs) it's about to be a party of two because a head pokes up and you see it from behind. And you can see that it's just like dark hair and it's all white slicked back. And he's like, you know, as they all do. Like, hey, what are you doing here? I bet the boys would, like, really love to see you here. And whoever this killer is pushes his head underwater and just holds it, and it's assumed that they are drowning him, which does not make any sense to me because, Mm -hmm. I mean, no matter how strong you are, like, I don't think I could hold anybody's head underwater and just drown them. I mean, you have to be pretty strong to do that, yeah. I'm assuming that, you know. That would be very, pretty difficult. Nothing makes sense in this movie, and the sooner that you accept it, the more fun <sighs> yeah, you I guess will that's have. True. So, uh, as that happens, you know, all the boys are on the deck, and they're just like, oh, like, leave him. He's fooling around. Like, whatever. He'll get out when he gets out. And then right. we cut to the next day, and it's this man who's, like, being forced to clean up the area of the lake where, like, the kids were, and there's a big mess between, you know, teenagers making a fucking mess, partying. So he's mumbling to himself. He's like, this is such bullshit. Why the fuck do I have to do this? And he's pissed. Um, so he goes over to the canoe that has now surfaced on the shore and he flips it over and we see a pretty cool dead body of him. I will say Mm -hmm. it was pretty good. He's like all waterlogged and like a little bit decayed. Yeah. The thing that doesn't make sense about it is that he's like very bloody and he has a lot of like cuts all over his like upper torso and his face and his eyes are like bloody. So I guess if you're going to go based off that, I would assume the person has been like maybe stabbed him or done other things to him well maybe like after he drowned and he was like floating because there's like a lot of fucking clear debris in the water that the counts are picking up like maybe his body got scratched up i mean in theory like doesn't make a lot of sense like fuck no but also it's like the whole thing is like the reveal like how like gross and grotesque can we make it right and the best part of the reveal is that a water snake emerges from inside of his mouth yes i just think is like beautiful karma i love that um, so it's a pretty good practical effect. I feel like it's the best one so far. I like it. I'm into it. Um, so then Mel, of course, arrives on the scene, and he's, you know, again, probably just an accident. He's very adamant that, like, no, 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 we don't need to, like, make a big deal about this. This is, like, another accident. We should just, like, move on. I don't want anything to, like, 
make us have to close the camp down. It's fine. Right. So, again, he's trying to cover it up. Well, Ronnie is like, well, because essentially, yeah, it's just like Mel being like, it's a fucking accident, you guys. Yeah. Like, how many times can I say it? Um, Because he's talking to a cop, and the cop is like saying kind of like, well, it's kind of like we don't really, like, it looks like he drowned. But, like, also, like, there's no sign. Like, there's something to, I, what the, he says something where, it, like, it's, like, I don't know, it's, like, suspicious. And we're going to have to wait for, like, the autopsy. And then, like, Mel is, like, you know, it's an accident, it's an accident. And Ronnie kind of starts to question him. And he, like, like, shut the fuck up, Ronnie. And then, like, he's, like, didn't you hear the officer? He said it was an accident. And the officer's, like, well, no, I said we have to wait for the test. And he's, like, yeah, but it's, but it's, an, it's an accident. And then, like, once Mel leaves, the officer, like, says something like, oh, like, what were you going to say to Ronnie? And Ronnie's like, oh, it's nothing. It's just, like, I remember that kid being, like, a really good swimmer to, like, kind of, like, insinuate that, like, it would be crazy if you just drowned. I mean, like, honestly, if they didn't show the, like, POV of the killer's hands and, like, the back of their head when they were under the canoe, like, I would be fucking suspicious of Mel. Oh, 100%. To be like, no, 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 this is nothing. Like, let's just move on. Don't investigate. But, like as a 60-something-year-old man. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really match up with the the bits that we do see. It's like, the way he delivers it is, like, so suspicious. Like, it's clear that he's, like, nervous when he's like, you guys, it is an accident, okay? Let's just be be cool about it. Where it's like, obviously the whole point is, like, he's like, I'm afraid that you guys are going to, like, tell people or it's going to get out and, like, that's my business down the drain. But, yeah, as you're saying, if we didn't see any part of the killer before this, I'd be like, well, it's fucking Mel. Like, why is he being so sus? Mel is just uh, your classic boomer who's like, COVID-19, no, we keep our camps open. Yeah. He he would be one of those people. Um, And then we cut over to everyone having fun playing volleyball because I'm assuming nobody really knows what's going on with the dead body other than Mel and Ronnie. Well, a couple kids definitely saw it. They were there. But I think it's one of those things where it's like, oh, it's a tragic accident, like a kid drowned. Like, nothing, like, no one did this. Right. So we're at a volleyball game. you know, Judy is serving, serving looks, serving the ball. She is serving in a fucking, t- did you see her shirt? She's wearing like a pink tight shirt over her new boobies, baby, that just says <laughs> Judy. Like her fucking name. Can you, oh my God, the level of bad bitch she's operating on, untouchable. I've read a lot that she's like the gay icon in this movie, and I'm, I'm with it. She's so fucking weird. Mm. Fucking Judy. And her side ponytail is like, the biggest teased out fucking ponytail I've ever seen. In my oh life. yeah, it's so good, so eighties. Um, so Angela is again sitting on the sidelines, you know, just staring and doing her thing. Um, Paul comes over to her, and now she's like not a mute anymore. She's fully talking to him. Um, he's like, "Hey, Angela. Um, you know, they're showing a movie tonight in the rec hall, and um, I was wondering if you were gonna go." And she was like, "Yeah, isn't it like mandatory?" Never <sighs> innocent. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 no, but, like, I thought maybe, like, you'd go with me. And she gets all like, oh, okay, yeah, I'd, like, I'd like to do that. And he's like, ah, oh, amazing, cool. Um, so then, you know, Judy obviously sees this and cannot have anybody else getting male attention other than her. Right. Especially when it's Angela and she does not like her. So she's pissed and she starts yelling about how it's not fair that Angela doesn't have to play and she has to just talk to the boys all day while she has to play sports. Um. And so Meg, of course, also, because Meg and Angela, not Meg and Angela, Meg and Judy are, like, a pair. They're, like, me and you. Um, oh, oh, my God. I love that. We should dress <laughs> as fucking Meg and Judy for Halloween. Oh, my God. I have so many Halloween ideas. Um, so Meg, of course, then 
goes over to Angela and scolds her as well for talking to a boy. And it's like, you know, if you're not going to play the games, then you can't do anything. Like, you don't get to just sit here and flirt and talk to boys. It's not fair. Because Meg is also a little bitch. Um, so sweet, sweet Susie comes over and she's, you know, just that angelic presence trying to, like, make everything better. And so she's like, no, no, it's fine, Angela. Like, are you okay? Like, do you want to go do other activities? Like, we can find something else for you to do. And it kind of, like, softens Angela up a little bit. And she's like, no, it's okay. Thank you, though. Um, and it's just, like, another moment of showing that, like, Susie is one of the kind people. Susie is the female equivalent rare. of Ronnie. Yes. They're, yeah, for sure. They're both, like, foils to Judy and Meg. Right. Absolutely. And she reminds me a lot of, like, the teacher in Carrie, who, like, is the only person who is, like, very kind to her. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. You know, that, like, that presence where you can, like, feel safe. Because, like, in a movie like this, like, in theory, like, you're supposed to feel bad for characters like Carrie or, like, Angela, which you do because they're being bullied. So, you, of course, you have to have the extremes, like, Judy and the girls in the locker room and Carrie who are, like, cruel to her. So, I think as a viewer, it's, like, it's almost unwatchable unless you give us somebody, even if it's only for a moment in time occasionally, just to be, like, I need to know that somebody in this universe is not, like, fucking evil. Right. And would care like it's like almost like you need to see yourself a little bit because you probably if you don't see yourself as the person being bullied and I mean hopefully you wouldn't see yourself as the person that's like literally doing this like awful shit to people you need someone that's like your presence of being like oh my god I'm really sorry exactly so we could then cut to the um, rec hall movie night but at the end of it we don't actually get to see what movie they watch I know devastating. <sighs> What did they watch? On what did they rent from Blockbuster? Oh my god. What did they put on their little, like, old-ass projector? Oh, I wish. Um, so, you know, everyone is exiting the rec hall, and Paul and Angela come out together, and he asks her if he can walk her back to her bunk, and she's like, yeah, okay, that would be nice. Mm-hmm. And so they walk off, and then Ricky and Judy come out, and Ricky, still on his, like, king shit, is like, Judy, you should stop being so fucking stuck up, and like, let me walk you back to your dorm. <laughs> she's like and she's like no like fuck off like i don't want anything to do with you so she walks away and we uh just see ricky kind of get like rejected um so paul and angela get to her cabin and he's like wait hold on i want to show you something and so he like brings her over to this little corner and just like fucking kisses her and she's like and she's very taken aback by it it is like the smallest little peck i've ever seen yeah um so it wasn't like I, i mean it wasn't that bad but she, like, clearly was not that into it. And she doesn't really say anything. And then he's like, well, well like, can I kiss you again? He doesn't even say, so, can I kiss you again? It's so uncomfortable because he goes, can I have another one? Yeah, and then he doesn't wait for her to answer. He just kisses her again. And I'm like, okay, bud. And she, again, I don't think she even says anything. She just, like, walks away. She's just like, I have to go now. I have to go to bed now. Yeah, it's so awkward. And she just, like, leaves. And I, I'm sure he's, like, feeling good about it because he's an idiot. Um, well, this is where we, for- we kind of start to see, like, from this point on, like, Paul's the fucking worst. Spoiler. Like, up to this point, it's, yeah. like, kind of, like, Paul's just, like, Ricky's friend. And, like, when he was talking to Angela at the mess hall, th- despite his whole, like, I know your backstory kind of bullshit. Right. Like, he just, he seems like a nice guy. Like, he's not doing anything. He's, like, he's a person that, like, without being nasty, Angela or pushing her, make, lets her come out of her shell. He, like, clearly likes her. He wants to take her to the movie. But then this scene where it's, like, as you're saying, like, the kiss is, like, very tiny. It's, like, literally, like, a peck that you would probably even give to your fucking grandmother at Thanksgiving. Like, oh, hi, Grandma, like that. Like, but clearly after the first one where it's, like, she she goes, like, fucking catatonic. Like, 
where then like you think as a you think that he would be like oh my god i that was bad he like is in his own world it's like well can i get another one like no paul you can go the fuck back to your bunk yeah he's not the brightest so after she goes back inside of course judy emerges she's everywhere i don't know how she's just like constantly everywhere that angela is right so she approaches paul and she's like all seductive and trying to like hit on him and it's just like again the age thing like just made me feel weird like even if she is like only a couple years older than him when you're like 14 that is like gross to me so i was just like oh stop trying to hit on these like little boys i don't like it (laughs) um so does she say anything in particular because i just wrote that she's no she's just like kind of like kind of it's it's like half teasing half trying to like seduce him because she's like she keeps like every time she sees them together she's like oh don't they make a great couple where she's being mean but then also at the same time it's clear that like i think what you're saying earlier where like there's a sense of like she definitely like hates angela because she's weird so there's a sense of like you know oh she's gonna talk to that's the only person she's gonna talk to she like made us have to fucking like jump through hoops and all this shit but also a sense because she's like miss queen b and gets all the male attention that even if it's just one guy giving angela attention and like she's like no i can't have it so there's a sense of like well to fuck with angela and like be that bitch i just want to see if i can get paul to like me this is like competition Yeah. yeah So, we go then to the boys' bunk, where they are once again pulling their 80s pranks on poor little, um... Mozart. Mozart. And they, you know, they're doing the whole whipped cream thing. They put the whipped cream in his hand, and they tickle his face, and then he, you know, smacks himself in the face with the whipped cream. And my favorite part of this scene <laughs> is that the prank is stupid. I don't like pranks. I'm not into them. Boys are stupid. But this fucking kid wakes up, and he just snaps. He's done. He's fucking fed up with all these pranks he pulls out a knife yeah and, and he just says i'm gonna kill you and he starts chasing ricky around the, the bunk and i just like fucking lived for that moment like, oh i mean like <laughs> you pushed him so far and he fucking took a knife out and was ready to stab you i love it like it's like you don't, you don't with him. the obvious question is like why does he have a knife there in the first place but right. i mean it's the 80s it's a different time and like they're at a camp and they know that like sometimes the activities to go out camping under the stars like maybe for like self-defense or what or against, i don't know an animal like but like he literally like he, he gets up and he has like the shaving cream all over his fucking face and he like reaches under a towel and like yeah pulls out this full ass like fucking hunting knife he's like it's i'm so- gonna fucking kill you but then all the <laughs> other boys are kind of including ricky who's getting chased they're like uh, lol like come and get me come and get me like and, it, and it's so and you're the whole time you're like yo what the fuck like and honestly if you told me that this was unscripted and it was because they were actually fucking bullying this kid in real life i'd buy oh, it yeah i mean like this is what i'm talking about like he's you push him too far and he fucking snaps like this is like why like anytime a fucking kid the weird kid at school reaches into his backpack unfortunately we live in a fucking world now where i'm like he might fucking kill us that's why you gotta be nice to everybody god i know but it's like sometimes oh, it's a chore. I'll fucking say it. Sometimes it's a chore. Um, but then, like, yeah, then the voice of reason is the fucking counselor who's like, yeah, literally, so. what the fuck are you guys doing? Yeah, he comes in at just the right amount of time and he uh, comes, takes the knife away and scolds them. He like hides the knife in his own belongings. And then he's like, for some reason, then they all turn on Paul and they're like, hey, lover boy. And they all jump on him as if they know anything that's going on with like him and Angela. Well, this is what I wrote down, which is kind of what I love. Which is that um, 
but and I because of they said that where it's like they all know Paul's business, right? Which it's like I feel like that's such a culture at like summer camps because of the fact that like first of all you're living in close quarters with everybody, like it's kind of like a small community where like everybody knows everyone's business, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like kind of like what college felt like. I remember freshman year of college, like getting there and when you live in a dorm and you're on a floor with a bunch of people, like it that was like the first experience that I ever got close to, like feeling like I was at summer camp because you're away from mom and dad. You can, like, stay up late and get into trouble. Like, you have, like, your, what is the fucking, your RAs, which are, like, kind of your counselors. And everybody knows everybody's business. Which, like, I feel like it's, that's so fun, but also it can be the worst at the same time. Because it's, like, fun to be able to, like, you know, like, being part of that community. But, like, at the same time, it's, like, you have no secrets. So, like, if you're trying to hook up with somebody in private, you might think it's a fucking secret, but you better realize that everybody else, everybody else knows. That's true. That's very true. So then, okay. So we're at the next morning. They are at the lake. It is very clear. I don't know if they, I can't remember if they've been at the lake before this. But, like, a running thing is that, like, Angela is afraid of the water. Which we can conclude is because of the fucking accident at the beginning of the movie. Where her, her father and her brother died in this accident, right? So she's sitting on the bleachers and... Here comes Paul, right? And he's being cute. So, like, she kind of seems okay now, right? Like, he's, like, fooling around with her, like, covering her eyes, being like, who is it? And she doesn't seem, like, weird with him. So we're like, okay. Well, can I say that her answers killed me? Because she says, guess who? She says, Ricky. And he goes, no, guess again. And she goes, Burt Reynolds? (laughs) Which I was just like, what the fuck? She thinks she's funny. She thinks she has jokes. She had one joke in this movie, and it was that. Ugh. But so... Here's where I, where, I mean, I've, after the kissing scene with Paul, I was like, yo, what the fuck is Paul about? Like, and then this is the moment where I was like, okay, I don't fuck with Paul. Because, okay, they have this moment, and it seems fine, right? And then down on the beach, um, Judy has spotted them. So she's like, to Meg. And Meg starts coming over to them. So he's like, he calls her like the Wicked Witch of the West or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he's like, you know, here she comes. So he knows that she's a fucking mega bitch. And I don't think it's a secret to anyone that, like, everyone at this fucking camp is out to, like, attack fucking Angela for being weird. So after he, like, fully registers that Meg is coming and pro- obviously going to come to, like, give shit to Angela, he's like, well, I'll see ya, Angela. And, like, yeah, just leaves that. her fucking high and dry to deal with it. I was like, you are not a real one at all. Like, yeah, maybe you can't do much for me, but at least, like, fucking stay here with my goddamn moral support. And obviously you know that, like, she clearly struggles with being verbal. That, like, you could stick up for me. Like, if you want to be my fucking boo thing, bitch, you are here for me through everything. You need to be a goddamn ride or die. Um, but, so of course, like, Meg is like, oh, are you going to go swimming, Angela? And it's kind of when we get the whole, like, she doesn't want to be in the water. And she won't answer Meg. So Meg is, like, fucking losing it. She's like, fucking answer me, blah, blah. And she starts, like, violently shaking Angela. So then, of course, goddamn Superman Ronnie comes in. He's like, you know, what the? And also, I noted, this is the first time he's in what we consider for Ronnie regular shorts. <laughs> like, they're still short by today's standard. For men, at least. Um, although I wish we would bring it back. Like, cut him, boys. Cut him short. Um, but he's, like, in, like, kind of, like, white and normal, like, I don't know, linen shorts. I don't know what the material is. Um, so he kind of, like, saves Angela. He's like, Meg, like, you need to fucking get out of here. Like, what the hell is that? Um, 
So then it's kind of really all that important that happens there. And they go back to the bunks. And now Aunt Meg is off somewhere. Like, she got in trouble. And she's, like, getting talked to or whatever. So Judy is pissed at Angela. Because she's like, oh, well, like, you got Meg in trouble. So then this is kind of like when Judy has her big blow up at Angela and kind of gives her a piece of her mind. Because she's like, not only she's, like, pissed at her that she didn't, she got Meg in trouble. And then she's like, Angela, why don't you ever shower with us? Like, we all shower at the same time because there's showers in their bunks. And she's like, you know, why don't you do that? Like, is it because you're queer? Is it because you didn't hit puberty yet? So, of course, our homegirl Susie steps in and is like, you know, she can shower whenever she wants. Like, leave her alone. So then, like, of course, there's another quotable diss, which is that fucking Judy is like, she's a real carpenter's dream. Flat as a board and needs a screw. And then Susie's like, shut up. And then, like, fucking Judy's like, fuck you. And then Susie hauls off and, like, slaps the bitch in the face. Which is clearly out of character for Susie. So she's, like, mortified that she did it. And Judy runs off. And then, like, fucking... like monotone as fuck Angela's like I'm gonna go see Ricky I'll be back later so yeah so like there's a huge blow up but there's a whole thing about like she brings up she doesn't shower with them which at this point we would assume is because I don't know a weird thing about not liking water or uh, you know in a carry I would just feel uncomfortable being around a bunch of women who like are mean to me oh yeah like a vulnerable state where like I'm naked no 100% I think that's I think that's completely valid um so then as Angela's walking to see Ricky, she's out and about, and there's these guys, which I I think are the older guys, but there's, like, one or two yes. younger kids with them, which is why it was a little confusing. Yeah, it's <clears> so <throat> weird. They're like, why are you hanging out with these, like, nine-year-olds? Well, at first I thought it was fucking Ricky on the roof with these people because they were younger kids, but then you learn later, like, in, a, in, like, two minutes that it's not Ricky and it's, like, the older boys. They're having a water balloon fight on the roof, which in no way can be fucking safe. But as I said, it's very clear that there's, like, fucking no goddamn rules at this camp. And they're not clearly heavily concerned for the campers' safety. Um, so one of them sees Angela. They launch a water balloon at her. She goes down. Oh, my God. She goes down like she's hit with a fucking bullet to the chest. Like, this, this water balloon rockets into her tit. And she hits the ground hard. Like, she's down for the count. So, of course, Ricky sees this. Ricky has anger management. And you know what? I'm not mad about it. This is what I was talking about earlier. Like, he, in every situation, and it's almost always defending Angela, when he feels that someone has wronged her or is bullying her, there is no, like, hey, cut it out. Or, like, what's going on here? It's, like, fucking Rottweiler. He's like, oh, I swear to fucking God, I'll kill you. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, so of course, and he's like cursing to the point where like the counselors in the movie are like, Ricky, watch your fucking mouth. Well, he's calling them everything in the book. Like I wrote down a few, he called some cocksuckers, pussies, chicken shits, amongst many other things. Yes. He's just like spewing profanities at them. Then it like shows like other people. You still hear him like in the background, like you motherfucking cocksuckers. I feel very close to Ricky in that sense of just yeah, being like cool. a fiery hothead with a vulgarity issue um so then like mel shows up and he's like fucking enough like you know the boys that threw the water balloons you're in trouble he like takes something away from them that's not important um and you know same thing for ricky and he's like you know you need to get under control ricky like with that mouth and he like barely checks on angela he's like you good angela okay 
Well, um, my favorite part about that is that he's like, all right, Angela, you should go change before you catch pneumonia. I'm like, it's the fucking summer. They're swimming in the lake all day. You think one fucking water balloon to the tip is going like, to get right. pneumonia? I was like, okay, Mel, thanks for caring. So then we get to um, immediate revenge. So then we cut to the boys because, like, they're getting ready for, like, dinner or whatever. Um, and no, they're in there. They're to go play baseball again. They're doing something. Um, and one of the boys is like, I got to take a shit. <laughs> you know, as as guys do. Like, we all want to fucking know that. Um, so he goes to the bathroom, and he goes in the stall, and somebody we don't see puts, like, a broom handle through the door so you can't open it. So he's locked in there. He doesn't even realize at this point that this is happening. He's, like, taking his dump. Then the person then goes outside, which at first you're like, why did they go all the way back outside? And they, like, take a knife and they cut through the, like, um, the, yeah, the screen window. And you're like, why? Like, at first I was like, why the fuck? Why did they go back outside? I don't understand. Well, it's because they were retrieving a huge ass, I'm going to say hornet's nest. Um, it's really just, like, bees. Um, hornet's nest, bees' nest from outside. And they, like, take another broom handle or whatever. And they, like, lower it into the bathroom with him. Which I believe they're lowering it into the stall with him. So he's like, yes. so he, at this point he like kind of hears the screen cutting. He's like, what's going on? What are you guys doing? Like, are you like trying to fuck with me? And then he hears the bees and he's like, okay, literally what are you guys doing? And he tries to get out of the stall and of course he's locked in there. So someone like me who has like a thing about bugs in general, like I, I can't, I can't even talk about them for a prolonged period of time without like my body shutting down. Like this is my nightmare death. Like, there are a lot of scenarios, I think, for a lot of people that it's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to die that way. That's awful. That's really bad. But, like, bugs are, like, high up there for me. Like, the creep show segment with the fucking oh, cockroaches. So I, I, I don't think I've ever once, like, sat through it and watched the screen the entire time. Like, oh, I can't. Oh, it's so fucking good. It's the best one. I, I know exactly what happens all the time. Like, I don't turn it off. I don't leave the room. But I, like, I have to look away or I'll, like, I, I'll, like go into a fucking, like, seizure or something. Like, I can't do it. Um, it's, it's pretty disgusting, but I love it. Oh, just thinking about it. Ah, I hate it. Um, so they lower in this bee's nest with him, and, like, he just starts losing. He's, like, banging against the wall. He's, like, oh, my God, blah, blah, So, like, we're assuming that these bees are fucking going to town on him. So this person, like, at first they're just lowering the bee's nest in, and then they just, like, drop it in on him. They're, like, well, fuck it. Go for it. So then, like, somehow, I don't know if the broom, I don't remember if they took the broom handle out, the killer, or it breaks no, or something. Just, he's like slamming against the door so hard trying to get it open that eventually just splinters and just breaks in half and okay. the door flies open. So this is another great practical effect look. Um so he like falls to the floor, right? So we can assume he's dead. Like he's yes. lifeless. Um so they do this pan where they like start and first you see his hand, right? And you see some bees on it. They start moving and moving and moving. And then you see like kind of his forearm and they have these great like fucking like I don't even know, like, sting wounds? Like, they almost look like they're festering, and they're all over his arm. Um, it looks like they're eating, like, his flesh. Almost. Yeah. It's, like, it's very gross. Um, and then the best shot, though, is, like, so you see that, and then you get to his head, which, like, I, I mean, I would have to assume it's a fake head. But at the same time, it's, like, the rest of the body looks really real. I don't know. It could be his real head. Beekeepers are very, like, you can have bees on you and be fine. Well... Um, the, the image is his entire, you can't even make out a feature on his face, Be, not because of welts or anything, his entire face is covered in bees. Yeah. Like. If that was an actor, that's fucking terrifying to have to do. But honestly, if it was, I mean, it, it, if it was the same, I would, I would assume, like, 
I would be shocked if you were like, it was the exact same kid and he was willing to do that stunt. Like, if it was, good for him, Jesus Christ. I would assume that either it's a fake head or it's like, I don't know, like a stunt person of some kind or somebody else that's like trained with bees somehow that was like they can have like a like a cover on their face too that the bees are then on top of or something i wouldn't be able to do it and i'm not even like necessarily scared of i mean like bees don't get to me like other bugs do i mean bees in the sense of like they're a bug and if they're like like i don't want them on my house i don't want them on me um and because i know that he can hurt me they can sting there's that sense but i'm more of like someone like i can't do centipedes i can't do spiders i can't do cockroaches like things that are just with a lot of legs and they move really fast like that shit doesn't fly with me so like but even still bees were a no-go for me oh no bees but i i fucking hate bees like i've been stung so many times and their bodies are so like fucking fat and gross and like the thought of killing one you just like you have to have that like disgusting crunch like i i <clears throat> bees i they are very important to our ecosystem yes we need them keep them the fuck away from me i'm all set the one bee that i care about and honestly part of me is like i would let one <laughs> land on me what are you talking what what do you mean the one bee you care about? <laughs> the one bee I care about is a bumblebee. Like, oh, they are the fucking... I you meant, like, one specific bee that you... This one bee I met one time. His name is Charles. Um, <laughs> that is very We fucking long. go way back. Um, there was... I had that kind of relationship with a frog once. That's a story for a different time. Um, I Bumblebees are the blimps of the nature world. Oh, my God. I love them. And they're fuzzy. My bunny, my first bunny rabbit I ever had, Muffin. And she would be outside in this cage. She had a relationship with a bumblebee. He would come to her cage, and he would hover in front of it, and they would touch noses. Oh, no. Bees are fuzzy. I don't like them. Oh, my God. I I love them. I love a big bumble. Come and sit on my arm, Mr. Bumblebee. (laughs) Move along. (laughs) Anyways, I can have a bumblebee for a long-ass time. Okay. So, at this point, we don't see anyone find the body. We assume that they found this goddamn body. It's, like, in broad daylight in the fucking bunks. Um, So, we cut to Mel, and he's, like... At this point, he cannot deny what's happening. So at this point, he's like, well, he doesn't, he doesn't even give a fuck that people have died. He's like, well, it's all over now. My business is done. Two he's people have died. man. He um, doesn't care. And then, but then he like, he's like, you know what? I've known who it was all along, and I just ignored it. I didn't do anything about it. So you're like, what the fuck, Mal? What do you mean you know who it was? When? What? So like, he's like, he's like deathly serious now and he once again he's like i'm gonna like take them down for what they've done to my business not to avenge the dead but to avenge his possibly destroyed summer camp business um so at this point it's kind of like really this is the point in the movie where you get where it's like okay kind of people now know that there's a killer for sure because like you know the drowning we could maybe explain away and the, the 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 kitchen accident but this one is like how the fuck would a goddamn beehive get in there? You can see the slash of the window. You know someone did that to him. Um, so then we get to Angela, and she's waiting outside, and we get the POV again of someone, you know, sneaking up on her, and you're like, oh, fuck, Angela's going to get it. Well, no, it's fucking Paul. Um, and Paul's like, you know, um, let's go to the lake, Angela. So they, they're, like, at the lake frolicking, like, kissing, fooling around. And here's where Paul truly becomes his full worst self. It's, like, classic, like, I'm a nice guy lines, but, like, you owe me sex at the same time. Because, like, he starts, they're on the ground, they're, like, making out, and he starts to unbutton her shirt. And, like, she's, like, no, like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. And he's, like, come on, Angela, I'm not doing anything. Yes, you are, Paul! You're fucking unbuttoning my shirt! Well, because the second he says that, he just moves his hands back to trying to That's what I'm saying! Again. Like, it's, like, it's if like, you're not doing you're anything, doing it. then, like, why do you, then, then continue to not do anything and stop touching like, so at that point, I was like, Paul's canceled. 
Paul's fucking canceled. He's done. Um, and while he's doing this, because she's clearly uncomfortable, she goes catatonic again. So then we get, like, heavy, like, oh, is this going to be, like, a fucking, like, rape scene? Please, God, no. But instead, we get this, while she's in this catatonic state, we go to a flashback. So recall, if you will, from the beginning when we were talking about the weird backstory and the fucking dad and the guy on the beach and all that shit and, like, how does it come into play? Well, it's this weird fucking, it's, like, it, like, takes place in, like, a fucking black hole almost. It's, like, it's, like, a doorway. Like, there's, you're not, like, in a setting. It's kind of like an, it's like Stranger Things. Like, when they fucking go into the void and she, like, sees people. Like, the Demogorgon in that weird dark space. Like, that's kind of what it's like. So, there's a bed. And there's the dad that died. And there's the guy from the beach. Assumingly naked in bed together. And they're kind of just, like, sweetly caressing each other. And then there's the two little kids from earlier in the doorway and they're like giggling about it. Like they're just watching this, which I feel like, first of all, stop it. Yeah. Stop watching that. Um, and at the same time, it's just like, they're like not stifling their laughs at all. You think that the guys would be like, hey, get out of here. No, they're just like in their own fucking world. But then the weird part is like, then you cut, still within the flashback world, to the kids, one of their little beds, and they're sitting crisscross applesauce across from each other, and the little boy, he's, like, has a, like, he's, like, sitting, and he has a pointer finger, and very slowly, he just brings the pointer finger closer and closer to the little girl's chest, which, like, there's a sense of, like, you, is, like, are these kids, like, gonna, like, try to do something with each other because they don't understand that shit, but at the same time, also, it's, like, they don't show anything. And also, he's, his hand isn't, like, suggesting he's doing anything sexual. Right. He's it's just He's pointing. just, like, pointing at her, like, breastbone. Um, and then they just cut out of that. Um, to literally the next day at Capture the Flag, a staple of summer camp, as we all know. Well, no, they, they cut back to her in her catatonic state, and she pushes him off and yells, no, and she runs away. Oh, I guess. Sorry, I forgot about that. That is important. Nothing. Um, so... Here we go again, where it's, like, clearly, obviously, yes, because that's important, because she ran away and, like, left Paul to he's fucking. Like, what? What are you, Angela, what's wrong? So it captures the flag. Get it. Yeah. And Paul is pressuring Angela again. Like, he's just like, oh, come on, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, dude, give it a fucking rest. So Angela, like, clearly is kind of fed up, and she starts to walk away. She, like, is over this. She doesn't clearly care about participating in camp activities as it is. And now the one person that she could hang around with is being a fucking creep. So she's like, I'm done. I'm leaving. And, of course, Judy tries to move in, and she's like, do-do-do-do-do, doing the flirty stuff with Paul again. So let me cut to Angela walking, and Ricky runs up to her, and he's like, Angela, like, I have this great plan to win Capture the Flag, like, and you got to help me. And she's like, I don't want to, Ricky. He's like, come on, come on. If we win Capture the Flag, then we don't have to play Capture the Flag anymore. I mean, how can you argue with that goddamn reasoning? Um, he's a smart one. He really is on top of it. Um, <sighs> so she's like, okay. Because, you know, Ricky is her real ride or die. He's out there fucking attack-dogging anyone that looks at her wrong. So, you know what? She's like, I'll fucking help you win this game. It's He's clearly, like, you know, gym class hero. So they go in the woods. And his whole plan is, like, I don't even really understand it, but it's like, we're going to split up in the woods, and we're going to go around from behind to get the fight. They won't see us. So they split off. Well, almost immediately, we're with Ricky, and he comes up. on He hears something. He's like, ooh, what's that in the woods? Well, it's Paul and Judy fucking kissing and she's like oh that wasn't that bad was it paul he's like no i guess not 
Imagine so, having to convince a boy like that to make out with you when you're that hot. I know. It's like, y'all want me to buy this shit? Mm-hmm. Um, but so, of course, like, um, fucking Ricky sees it. So there's a sense of, like, obviously because he's, like, already kind of been hurt at the fact that, like, Judy threw him away, like, last week's trash. That, like, I think there's a sense of that. But I think more so there's a sense of, like, he knows what's, obviously, as everyone does, what's been going on between Paul and Angela. And he knows that this is a betrayal of his cousin. Like, and then instantly as you're like, oh, no. On the other side of this clearing where they're fucking kissing, Angela shows up and she's seen what's happened. So, of course, she runs off and Paul's like, Angela, wait. And then um, this is where I made note of, like, which I'd already noticed throughout the whole movie, is, like, how fucking aggressive they are with each other. Like, they come at each other, everyone, the girls, the guys, doesn't matter the age difference. It's just, like, this vulgarity of, like, hey, drop fucking dead. And, like, all the time. Where, like, he literally calls her Judy a scumbag. He's like, you're a real scumbag, Judy. And she's like, fuck you, Ricky. And then, smooth as fuck, he's walking away already. And behind his back, in very Paul Rudd, Wet Hot American Summer fashion, he just, like, flips her the bird as he keeps walking. Ugh. I just, like, I love it. There's, like, one moment after that that's, like, holds on her for a beat where she, like, for the first time looks, like, kind of upset. And I feel like that facade is, like, starting to crumble of, like, maybe she's not as confident as she's, like, making everyone think that she is. And she's, like kind of hurt by his words and then it like cuts away mm-hmm. but i thought that was a nice little moment of like humanity for her because she is such a fucking heinous bitch all the time right so we cut back to the lake now um where angela is sitting on the bleachers and of course as like five scenes before this has happened paul arrives and comes over to her um mm-hmm. he's like i'm sorry it wasn't my fault it was judy and he like fully blames her yeah i'm like you want oh my god it's like classic fucking man he says like she wouldn't leave me alone and it's like oh my god shut the fuck up like shut up if you're that weak-willed i don't want to be with you in the first place so he's like fully putting all the blame on judy and he's like apologizing over and over and over again and um he's like please just give me another chance please please and in this moment of course judy then comes back over and she's wearing this like tiny fucking bikini and the abs on her yeah i was like oh my god look at your body i get it now she's fucking shredded i was jealous i now hated her for a different reason (laughs) i was like fuck i want those abs never in my dreams um so she like comes over and she calls paul a prude and she's like no she's called paul a prude she says that paul called angela you're right right, that's right sorry i read my notes wrong she she says that paul called her a prude and instead of like defending himself he just like leaves he's like all right bye and judy just like continues to mock her and be mean to her and like call her names and angela has gone catatonic again she's just staring just like fucking searing her eyes into judy's abs Um, (laughs) and uh meanwhile ricky goes up to mel and he's just talking to him and then they start talking about the murders and mel's like so fucking cryptic and he's like yeah it's really a shame people had to leave the camp and it's like very strange well he's like salivating when he's talking (laughs) it's very clear that like he i I think at this point you can put together that like he clearly thinks that ricky he ricky is who he's talking about earlier who he knows and who's doing it right so he's trying to like you know walk around the subject and be like oh yeah isn't it such a shame ricky um so we cut back over to judy and angela where she's still harassing her but now meg comes along and she's like amazing we're both gonna do it it's like, why don't you go swimming with us, huh, huh, huh? Why don't you come with us? I dare you, I dare you. And Angela doesn't respond. She just stares straight ahead. 
So Meg just fucking picks her up like a rag doll. Yeah. And just like throws her over her shoulder and is like, all right, here we go. And she just brings her to the water. So as it, it kind of like pans back out, so you're more with Ricky and Mel. But you can see Meg carrying Angela like in the distance, like to the water. You can hear Angela screaming. Right. Um, and so Ricky hears it and he tries to like go help her, but Mel grabs him by the arm and is like, I know it was you. You killed these people. And Ricky's like, what the fuck? Like, let me go help my cousin. And Mel's just, like, popping off on him. Um, and we cut back over to the girls, and Angela, not, Mel just throws Angela straight into the water. Not Mel. Meg. Meg, I'm sorry. Meg throws Angela right into the water. Um, and Ronnie comes over, because Ronnie's the best, and he breaks up the, like, Mel and Ricky fight. Right. So Ricky's free to then go save Angela. And so he goes over, and him and the lifeguard, like, pull her out of the water. She's crying and she's coughing, and they're like walking away from all the like bitches together. And he's like, "I promise you, they won't get away with this," which is very ominous and also foreshadowing to kind of match what Mel already thinks that like Ricky's promising retribution here, so like maybe something will go down. So it has become nighttime, um, and all the counselors are standing outside of their bunks, and they're just kind of like delegating responsibilities for the night, being like, "Okay, you're gonna handle this cabin, and you're gonna do that." And he's like, okay, so Jerry and Meg, you both have the night off. And Meg is like, oh my god, I need this fucking night off. I'm so excited. And Susie's like, yeah, I wish I had the night off. And Meg's like, ah, okay, bye. Um, so she, instead of like... Well, it's also important to note that one of the counselors got assigned. He had to take his campers uh, camping under the stars. Yes, which sounds like a nightmare for me. Um, so Meg is gross. And she's like, alright, I know what I'm going to do. So she goes over to fucking like... 82 year old Mel. <laughs> I love that every time we bring him up, he's like 10 years older. Yes, that is the point. Um, so she's like, hey, Mel, do you remember when you invited me to go have dinner up at your place? Which is like so gross. I know. Like, I think we should do that. And he's like, yeah, that sounds like a really good idea. Like, let's meet at like 10 or something. And so she's like, okay, perfect. So we cut over to the girl's cabin where she has now like gone in because she wants to take a shower before her date so she can be all nice and clean which is disgusting because I hate the thought of her fucking that old man. Um, she's, like, very, very happy, and Judy's like, why are you so excited? Like, what's going on? And Meg's like, oh, I have a date. It's a secret. I can't tell you. Which I'm sure she knows that it's kind of gross, so she doesn't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. So she goes into the bathroom, and there's, like, this very long line for the shower. And so she says something like, oh, I doubt you guys are going to let me cut, right? And all the campers are like, know because they probably hate her so she just goes over to like the empty cabin next door which is very convenient so right. she goes over to take a shower and angela just continues to stare like very very creepily um so we move over to the other cabin where meg is in the shower she's singing she's, she's not singing she's humming like this like really off like beat weird fucking hum and i'm like okay so she's humming and we see the front door swing open and we see somebody's shadow standing there we cut back to Meg in the shower, just doing a little hum, and then, bam, as she said, knife gets stabbed through the wall of the shower, mm-hmm. and we see Meg kind of, like, gasp as she is against the wall, and we just cut back and forth from the knife, just, like, slowly dragging down the, like, fucking wall right. with, like, blood coming out of it, and then her, like, bleeding and crying out, which is pretty graphic, and I, I was very into it, um, and then once... The knife has gone all the way down. They then put the knife into the shower to clean it off. And we see their little 
child's hands again. I think about this scene a lot as a kill, just like, because, like, it. every time I'm in the shower... Now, mind you, like, the walls in my shower, like... Th- there's, like, first of all, the thickness of it would be fucking impossible. Oh, yeah, no, there's no way that that knife would go through that. Right, and, like, also, like, one, at least one of the walls in my shower, like, the, the other wall is, like, outside. Like, uh, like two stories up. Um... But I always think about it. Like, if I, like, lean against the shower wall for a second, I'm, like, I, like, get off. I'm, like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want a fucking knife through my spine. It's effective. It really works. Even though, yeah, like we're saying, it doesn't make any fucking sense. You still think about it because you're, like, yeah, that would fucking hurt. And, like, the idea that the killer just happened to know she was standing against that wall in that exact moment. Right. Like, it just isn't logistically accurate. But I don't care. Because it looks good. Right. And the thought of, like, a knife dragging down my spine just makes me feel awful. Mm-hmm. So she has gotten her comeuppance. She is gone. She is dead. R.I.P. Bay. Um, so we have now moved over to the counselor who has taken the kids on the little um, star walk to go camping. Um, and it just, like, shows them quickly, um, like, walking in the woods. And then we cut over to Paul, who's going over to the rec hall. And he runs into Angela. He's like, hey, Angela, do you know where Ricky is? Uh, oh, no, she asks, do you know where Ricky is? And she's like, where's Ryan? And he's like, no, I don't know. Like, he was hanging out in our bunk because, like, he didn't feel well after dinner. And, of course, because Paul is a skeezball, he's like, this is my perfect opportunity to try to, like, get in her good graces again. So he's, like, apologizing. And he's like, he's like I was so wrong. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And, again, Judy fucking comes up with another guy. I don't know how she's everywhere at once. And she's like, ah, look at the cute couple. And then she just, like, walks away. It's very insignificant. Right. And he just continues to apologize. And it gets to, like, the point of begging her almost. It's, like, kind of embarrassing how much she, like, will not stop. I mean, Paul is just embarrassing through and through. So she's, I think she's honestly just fed up with it. So she's like, yeah, fine. Like, we can, like, meet me on the waterfront, like, later. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, that's amazing. Great. So that's that. So we go back over to the campers. Um, who have, like, set up tents and are, you know, hanging out and sleeping. And this little boy wakes up and he's like, I'm cold. Please, can we go back to the cabin? And the counselor's like, shut the fuck up. Go back to sleep. Like, no, we're not going back. And another boy wakes up and he's like, yeah, I'm cold too. Can we go back? Which honestly would be me. Literally, I thought the same thing. I was like, that would be my ass. Yeah. And so he's like, fuck, fine. So, like, get your stuff. And he, like, gets up, and he looks at the other kids who are still sleeping, and you can see that he's, like, debating, like, do I really leave these kids here by themselves? Like, they're sleeping, they'll be fine. So he takes the two boys, they go back to the car to take them back to the cabin. Um, And as they leave, we get another POV shot of someone exiting the woods and walking over to the kids' sleeping bags. And it pans down to show that there's an axe, which I think they showed earlier on, which was, like, weird that the kids had an axe. Um, well, I think it's what I said earlier about the knife thing. It's just, like, they would have it camping, yeah. I guess, like, in case, I guess, an animal came up on them or something. Right, right. So, yeah, there's just, like, an axe next to, like, one of the kids sleeping. So it, it shows that. Um, and then we cut back over to the rec hall, where I just have to say that Mel is wearing this most god-awful outfit I've ever seen in my life. He is wearing bright green pants, <laughs> a green and white striped shirt, like, polo shirt, with a bright yellow jacket over it. I was like, that's what you're fucking wearing to your date? Oh, no, no, it's, no, like, no. just disturbing because, like, that's the shit my fucking grandfather would wear. Oh. And he's the age my fucking grandfather was. Yeah, he's, like, 102. Uh, <sighs> he, 
he's like goes up to Susie and he's like, Hey Susie, have you seen Meg anywhere? Like, we're supposed to meet up, which is like very surprising that he's just forthcoming with that information. Because Well, I don't think it's a secret to anyone. Like they've been openly in public spaces, like groping each other. Yeah, but Meg was very secretive about it with Judy. She like, would not tell her who she was going out with. But I feel like that was more so just like a classic like girl thing where it's like it's not because I'm embarrassed. It's just because like ooh, it's like more fun and like spicier if I'm like I can't talk about it. That's true. I just feel like an older man like that would fucking know better than just be like I'm gonna. Like, I mean, they hired a pedophile chef, so I mean, do they know better? No. So uh, Susie's like, no, like she was gonna take a shower, uh, but that, like that's the last I saw of her. And he was like, oh, okay, so he goes out, and he goes to look for her. Um, so we ha- now cut over to Judy, who is in, um, like, a cabin, making out with some random boy um, who she had been at the rec hall with. And she's, like, criticizing his kissing, and she's, like, clearly not into him. Um, and they hear that somebody's coming. So she, like, throws him under the bed in a classic, like, move, like, hide. Mm-hmm. And Mel comes in. And he's like, hey uh oh she like positions herself to like be reading a magazine so like he won't think anything is weird so he comes in he's like hey mel have you seen meg anywhere um and she's like yeah like she was showering and he was like okay um like oh you're gonna really hurt your eyes reading in the dark like that <laughs> wink wink it's like okay dad like, jesus yeah so he leaves and um i wrote the bad makeout boy mike <laughs> comes back onto the bed and she's just like Oh, he's done with it. He's like, ah, I'm over this. Like, I'm going to go. And she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, kiss me. And he's like, no. Like, what if he comes back? Like, I'm good. I'm going to leave. She's pissed. She calls him a chicken shit. Right. And he exits the cabin. So then we cut over to um, Mel. And he's gone to the cabin where he has been told that she was. And he's looking for her. And we see the, oh, we see the point of view of the cabin door opening. It's the same, like, shot as before. And then Mel walks in. And we're like, okay, it's Mel. So he goes over to the showers. And I don't understand this. And I don't think I ever will. She just, like, her body gets thrown out of the shower. Well, it's like, it's like, oh, it was precariously, like, you know, like, leaning. And then, of course, conveniently, (sighs) the second that Mel comes in, that's when it finally gives way. And she just, like, tumbles out of the shower. So he just walks into the room, and her body just flies out of the shower, curtain and all, and, like, dead on the ground. And I was like, okay, great. And, like, she has, like, a big line, like, cut down her back. But there's no blood anywhere. So I was just like, okay. Well, the water washed it away. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. (laughs) Like realistically not a great um death shot but it's fine um so mel's like oh my god my my baby girl meg and he's like starts ranting about like i know this is ricky i'm gonna stop him once and for all and he's like doing this like little monologue to himself right fucking psycho so he's like determined to get ricky he's like i know this is him i'm gonna fucking finally stop this so we then move back over to Judy, who is now curling her hair in, in darkness, dark yeah, on her bed. I was like, okay, and it's like it's in like nighttime. Like, where are you going? You're curling your hair right now. So she hears the door open, and she thinks it's Mike coming back for her. Um, we see somebody in the doorway. We see like their silhouette, but the way that it's lit, it's kind of hard to tell who it is. You can just kind of tell that it's like a smaller person, right? Um, and she's like, of course, she's like. Oh, well, the thing about the funny that's funny about the silhouette is like. It very much, if you look, like, looks like Ricky, but, like, Ricky with, like, a mullet. So it's it's very clear. It's, like, they're trying to keep it ambiguous. Is it, like, is it a boy? Is it a girl? Right, right, right. Um, 
so she's immediately like, don't turn on the light or I'll be found out and I'll have to go to this stupid social, which I don't understand. You know, it's like, a, it's like that, you know, urban legend, like, don't turn on the light and then the next morning it's like, thanks for not turning yeah. off the light or whatever the fuck right. it is. Yeah, no, I don't understand about. So, um, they walk up to her and she goes, oh, it's you. And she obviously recognized whoever it is. She's like, what are you doing here? And they fucking smack her hard. They, like, and knock she, her out. Yeah. She's, like, like moaning and, like, has her eyes closed. She's, like, passed the fuck out. So this is probably the most disturbing scene in the movie for me. Um, so they pick up a pillow and they put it over her face. And at first I thought, okay, they're just going to suffocate her. Fine. But it was to um, silence her screams as they pick up the curling iron and you see all of this on the shadow of the wall so you don't actually see like any of it actually happening you just see like the shadow of it and the curling iron just goes very slowly down and then eventually you see her hands shoot up in like pain as she starts to scream from under the pillow and i mean it's a scene but you know she stuck the very hot curling iron up her hoo-ha which is so fucking horrible and i can't even like fathom well, it's just, like, one of those of deaths where it's, like, oh, my, I mean, like, I'm only, only people who have vaginas are going to understand mm-hmm. or be able to fathom where it's, like, Ugh. it's it's one of those ones where it's, like, it's brutal. Because, well, the thing is, like, they don't, obviously, as we said, they don't show it. And, like, in theory, like, it could, it could not be a curling iron up her pussy, but, like, it is. Like, I, I think mean, I also just think based on, like, who she is as a character, like, they kind of establish her as, like, the slutty, promiscuous girl, so, like, of course she dies by, like... Oh, yeah. Or, I, I mean, like... Her, her vagina. Or at least, at the very least, like, you know, her vagina's gonna be fucking, like, wrecked after that. Oh, yeah. Like... So... Ugh. But it's iconic because it's, like, I mean... Oh, tell me another fucking movie where someone gets a curling iron up their pussy. I mean, you can't. Um, but it also, it's, like, the brutality of it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, thinking about it, like, I feel like I have to let my, like, thighs just, like, squeeze together. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. It is by far the worst death in the movie. Oh, yeah. And, and it's, it, it oh, manages to be the worst death, and you see the least of it. Absolutely. But I think that's what's so effective about it. Right. I love the way that they play with the shadows in the wall. It's so cool. So, R.I.P. Judy. She was a real one. A real bitch. Yeah. Um. So, I, I, pre- I believe the person just kind of, like, moves the bed, and she, like, falls under, and, like, it's kind of hidden for, like, a little bit. Um, so, at this point, the counselor who has taken the two kids who are cold back to their dorms, um, or cabin or whatever, comes back to the remaining kids to find that they've all been viciously fucking murdered in their sleeping bags. There's well, that's blood what was... everywhere. Go on. Go on, go on. I was just say there's blood everywhere. Things are, like, ripped up. It's, uh, you know, assumed that the person who came and took the axe, like, just packed them all up while they were there. And then we're like, okay, moving on. Which is, like, fucked up because what did they do? Like, they there's no motivation for killing those kids. Well, that, that's like, what I can know of. is crazy. Because, like, in the scene when they find the axe, because, like, if there was someone important that was having this camp out, they would have shown them, right? They would have been like, hey, don't forget so-and-so's here, which they didn't. Right. So, like, when I saw the axe, my head was like, Oh, it's clearly the killer is coming at the axe, and they're going to take the axe. Exactly. Like, that's all it was. They needed to get the counselor to leave so that they could sneak up and get the axe. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. So when he comes back, like, I was surprised. I was like, why the fuck are they? I think his name was, like, Eddie or some shit. I was like, why the fuck are we back on Eddie? Like, I don't give a fuck about these goddamn kids. 
And then, yeah, it's like, the, the literally these kids are, like, mutilated in their fucking sleeping bags. And I was like, what? Like, as you're saying, like. out of place because, like, every other person that has been killed so far or, like, very, like, injured has been somebody who has been, like, a bully or someone who's very cruel and is being, like, awful to people and it's, like, a revenge thing. Whereas these are just kids who are sleeping. Like, I don't know anything that they did wrong. They're very young. It just seems very out of place for all the other kills. No, and it's, like, and it goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier where it's, like, this is, like, the first time, like, because, like, obviously, like, when, um, Kenny died and when, um, Judy just died and even when the other kid with the beehive died, like, they kind of, like, were on the older kid's spectrum. They were still campers, but they, like, were the older of the campers, so, like, kind of, like, closer to teens. So it doesn't strike you, at least for me watching it, it didn't strike me as, like, oh, my God, they're killing kids. Like, it was like, oh, they're killing teenagers, that's what slashers do. This is the first moment of, like, these kids were, like, literally, like, 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds, like, little kids, like, like, and they're just, like, butchered. Which, like, listen, I'm not going to be someone that's, like, I'm against kids. Like, it's a fucking horror movie. Like, I almost appreciate that it's, like, we don't give a fuck. Like, we're going full brutality. It's just, like, kind of one of those moments where you're, like, oh, my God, okay, we're doing that. Yeah, I'm not mad that it's, like that it was like young kids because young kids die in real life and i'm fine with them portraying that in horror movies it just felt very out of place for everything else so far it's just like very shocking which like i guess like is good because like after this moment is kind of like this is when shit is like okay like i think it's this is this is the moment that kind of sparks like the whole like everyone's gonna start finding the bodies now so like right, this, yeah, this like, is, like brutal moment is like shit is real and now i think because i kind of believe that like even after Mel is like, oh, I know who the killer is. I should have done something earlier. I don't think he's told anybody other than Ronnie. Yeah. I don't think any of the counselors know. So this is the point when it, like, gets to everybody that, like, right. people are being killed. I agree. Yes. So after we see that, we go back to Ricky, who has arrived now around at the mess hall as the social is breaking. He's like, hey, can I go in and get some food? And the guy's like, no, it's closing up. Like, we can't go in. He's like, but I've been lying down all night, and I'm hungry. So the guy's like, okay, be quick, go in. So he goes in for, like, literally, like, five seconds. And he comes right back out, and he has, like, a bunch of food. Um, and you hear in the background a counselor. It's Ronnie. Call, it's Ronnie, yeah. Getting a call being, like, these kids have been murdered. Um, so someone grabs Ricky from behind, and you see that it's, of course, Mel. Um, he starts yelling at him. He's accusing him of, oh, I'm sorry, I have to make note that Ricky is just, like, chomping on a chocolate bar at this point. Um, he's really minding his business. Like, he literally was like, yeah. well, I woke up from a nap and I'm hungry. Yeah, he was just, like, walking back to his cabin, eating a chocolate bar. Somebody grabs him. It's Mel. He starts yelling at him. He's accusing him of all these murders. And he smacks him so hard that Ricky falls down. So then, even though this man is, like, 112 years old, he fucking gets on top of Ricky and he just starts fucking wailing on him. He's just, like, punching him and smacking him and just, like, beating the living shit out of him. Yeah, he literally proceeds to, like, beat this kid to death. Yeah, he's, like, his goal is to, like, murder this child. And he has, at this point, he has no fucking facts <laughs> or legitimate proof that Ricky is a killer. He just thinks, which, like, right or wrong, like, the answer is not to beat a child to death in the woods. No, he's, I, I think he's like, I know, I saw you at, like, some of the scenes, and I know that you're there, and I'm sure in his mind, he's like, this kid's, like, has a sailor's mouth, and he's just a bad kid, and he's probably a murderer, so I'm gonna kill him. And if that's so, all it takes to be a murderer. I guess. Yikes for me! So, we, uh, we cut back over to Bonnie, our angel, 
Yeah. He goes and he tells one of the female counselors to go get everyone together. Something's happened. Um, and that's just like a very quick aside. So we go back over to Mel, who's like feeling accomplished. She's like, oh, I did it. So he gets off of Ricky, assuming that Ricky is dead, and he starts to walk away. And he well, he's like running away because he's like, I have to get away from this because like he right. knows what he's done. He's like essentially killed right. his child. Right. So he goes and he stops because he sees somebody and he stops directly in front of a bullseye, which I think is really very nice. Well, he, um, he's run out into the archery range. Yes. So he's in front of his bullseye and he sees somebody and he goes, you, it can't be you, um, which is obviously now we know it is not Ricky and he is wrong. And an arrow just comes flying and it just went straight through his fucking neck. It's a very well done effect mm-hmm. because there's like, I don't, like there's no cut. It's just like straight into his neck. It looks great. I'm very, very impressed. Um, and then he, you know, falls and that's it. R.I.P. Mel. Bye. Right. See ya. You're a piece of shit. Yeah. Um, so all the counselors get together. They divide into pairs. And they're like, okay, we need to watch the kids. Like, um, like you guys go watch your kids. Make sure nobody else leaves. And they're like, okay, but Paul and Ricky are missing. And someone else is like, yeah, Judy and Angela are gone too. So he's like, okay, we need to go find them. And like, everyone else stay with your kids. So like, nobody else leaves. And they're like, okay. So they all split up. So we go over to the beach where Paul is waiting for Angela. And he's like pacing back and forth. And he's like, oh, he's getting impatient. And then when Angela arrives, and he's like, oh, hi. And she's like, let's go swimming, which is so off-brand for her. You, like, know something's up now. Because yeah, you're, you're like, like she literally, like, was traumatized and, like, you know, was losing her mind about the prospect of going to the water earlier. And now yeah. with fucking sleazebag Paul, she's like, let's go for a swim. Yeah, and he's like, what do you mean? And she's like, take off your clothes. And, yeah, and then at that point, he's like, sweet. Yeah, this motherfucker, like, lights up. He's, like, so happy. He starts, like, ripping his clothes off. I was like, oh, my Men God. Men are so fucking simple. Oh, yeah. So then we cut over to the counselors who are in the woods with their flashlights looking around, and they find the chocolate bar wrapper that can't, uh, Ricky was eating. And they're like, uh-oh. And then they find Ricky. He's bleeding from his mouth and his nose, but he starts to cough, and you see that he's alive. And mm-hmm. like, okay. Oh, thank God. Do not kill Ricky. Um, so they bring him back to the cabins, and they hear a scream from another counselor who has just found Meg's dead body. So they're finding everybody at this fucking point. Um, then we move over to Susie and Ronnie, who are still out, and they're looking for Paul and Ricky. And they hear this noise on the beach, and it sounds like somebody is coming. So they go over towards it, and we see in like the darkness Angela sitting on the ground from behind. And it looks like she's naked. She's definitely she's 100% naked. Yeah, no, but, like, it's hard to tell in that moment because, like, she, it's dark. So, like, you think she's naked, and she's has Paul lying in her lap, and she's, like, cradling his head and, like, rubbing his hair. And, like, all of this ominous music starts to swell. And we cut to a flashback with my favorite crazy fucking aunt. Yes. And this is when shit goes down. So we cut over to the aunt in her house, and we see Angela, and she has... Uh, a big bandage wrapped around her head and she's like hanging her head down so you can't really see her face and the aunt is showing her this nice new dress that she bought um and she's like look at this beautiful new dress it's for you you know i've always wanted a daughter this is going to be so wonderful i can't wait for ricky to come richard to come home to find that we now have a little girl living with us because i've really i've always wanted a daughter because after all, I already have a boy, and another boy just wouldn't do. A girl would be so much better. She then says, Angela, and then repeats it to herself as if it's a question. She says, Angela, 
Hmm, Angela, isn't that such a nice name? I think it means angel. Don't you like that better, Peter? And the child lifts his head to see that Angela is a fucking boy. And the music swells, and we cut back. Wait, 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 before we get to the, the final scene. Something, okay, so just quickly. So in this whole reveal that you just talked about, where it's like, mm-hmm. we see the child. It's, it was actually Peter, so it was actually the daughter that died originally with the dad. Yes. But she makes a comment, which is where it's like, because at this point, as we've talked about, the guy on the beach originally, which then in the other flashback, we realize is the dad's lover or, or partner or whatever. But there, it's like, why are we bringing that up, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, how does that fare in this story at all? Well, she makes a comment, our favorite crazy aunt, where she's like, you know, because she always wanted a daughter, and because her husband left her. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. She obviously didn't have someone to have a baby with. So, like, it's it's not explicitly stated, but it's like, mm-hmm. then I feel like they want us to believe that that other guy was her husband that left her, which would mean that the the dad, who we're assuming is her brother, yep. started having an affair or, like, hooked up with her husband, and her husband then left her for her brother. It's like, none of this is explicitly stated, but it's like, if you, if you try to put it together, it'll hurt you, your head a little bit. But it's like, I mean, then you can be like, is that why she went crazy? Because I mean, I didn't even think about that. To I be honest, if I had a husband and then my husband left me for my gay brother, mm-hmm. um, I would be, I would be feeling a lot. Um, and I might go a little fucking crazy. Yeah, but you don't want to, you know, do that to a child. Um, oh, I'm so, not, I'm not suggesting that what no, she did I, was I know, okay I, at all. I know, I know. So after she has revealed in this flashback that Angela was Peter, we cut back like very quickly to a close up of present day Angela and she has this fucking look on her face her mouth is wide open she has crazy eyes her hair is wild it's like a mane and she's making this like animalistic guttural like growl. half scream half grunt and she's like Ugh. and it pulls on her for so eyes so creepily and then as she stands we see Paul's severed fucking head fall to the ground she was clearly just holding his head and cuts back over to the counselors who are horrified at this point we go back to angela and it slowly pans back to show that she is completely naked holding a knife an axe completely covered in blood and as we pan down we see that she has a full fucking dick and she even has a big ass bush Mm -hmm. and it is one of the most like jarring images because it's so out of left fucking field and also just the way that her head looks on this man's body looks so strange because it's obviously not the actress mm-hmm. um and it's just like everything about it is just like slightly off and looks very creepy and she's still making this awful noise with her mouth wide open and it cuts back to ronnie and Susie who are um looking for her and they are shook and they're like oh my god she's a boy and then it cuts back to her in a close-up still making that fucking face and then yeah. it freezes on her it turns to like that negative effect and then the credits go the yes end. fucking thin so there's a few things that we have to touch upon quickly here which yes. is that one after this reveal of like clearly the crazy aunt 
was like, no, you're not going to be a boy, you're going to be a girl. I'm going to make you a girl. Then, like, that's clearly why the whole physical thing from earlier, where she was yeah. like, if I bring them to an actual doctor, they will see this child's genitalia or whatever mm-hmm. and figure out that, like, they were born a boy right. and I can't have that. Um, well, it explains away a lot of things that, like, go on throughout this, like, movie, like, why she doesn't shower with people, why she doesn't want to yes. be touched by the men, why she's, like, uncomfortable with sexuality. Um, um and it is, should be said, so, like, yes, there's a lot of shock value here because, like, obviously you're not expecting this twist. It, like, comes right. out of nowhere. Um, you're not expecting to see this dick, but I think it's, okay, here's the thing. So, like, this has been hugely discussed because, obviously, like, this essentially like something like a reveal like this would not work today it would not oh wait no because it has like a lot of transphobic like tones to it right it's, but it's very problematic the two things that should be mentioned one what makes this scene scary is not like oh my god she's a boy at least no. for me and i think most audiences it cannot be overstated like how fucking scary this face she is making is and mm-hmm. this sound and like yes. it's it's like locked in place this sound mm-hmm. continues for the remainder of the movie till we go to credits the face is frozen there like mm-hmm. it's haunting and the reason it looks so weird is because they had like a, a male actor stand in obviously for the reveal and they they made like a cast or something of angela's face that he then had to wear and obviously it's a cast of her making this crazy face so like it's just like so disturbing that like the image of her face is what's imprinted in people's minds it's what's like if you look up this movie on google images like this image is going to come up like ten thousand fucking times like where like yes there's like the added thing of like oh and there's a dick but like another thing about it um with the trans uh obviously subject matter is I was looking at a lot of articles and a lot of reviews that obviously touched upon this mm-hmm. and something that's interesting is like really it ends up if you think about it in one way it ends up being a movie talking about like the psychological damage and trauma you can cause someone as a parent or a parental figure when you try to force gender stereotypes and gender roles on them because obviously Angela we're meant to assume has snapped and gone on this spree because like she's not a girl mm-hmm. Angela was born as Peter right. and he as we can kind of assume from the fact that they're lashing out, like wants to be Peter, doesn't feel like a girl, but is forced to live this way because their aunt made them. Mm-hmm. So while yes, like, is it, is it done perfectly? Like, no, it was the fucking eighties. And I'm sure to a large degree, they were not thinking about like, Ooh, the greater meanings of this. It was like, wouldn't that be fucking crazy and shocking? So oh, yes, but I feel like, it's there's so much that's good about this movie and like great and campy that like if you if you try to analyze it yourself and like look at it in the lens that I just presented like you can enjoy it like I agree because and and at the same time it's like we've been talking about the whole time where it's like all these people that are ridiculing her um and like you know putting her down or like trying to like fucking make unwanted sexual advances on her like they get what's coming to them so it's kind of, it's empowering in a sense. I mean, we would obviously hope in the future for better uh, trans representation in general, in horror as well, like, um, than just this. But I think that it's, it's not a movie that we necessarily have to just throw away because of the fact that, like, 
most likely in its intention was just to be like a huge shock value rather than like oh this is like a greater story we're trying to tell yeah i completely agree so many reviews i saw were just like immediately like dismissing it as like homophobic garbage and transphobic like bullshit and i'm sure that in the 80s it was not you know meant to be like a movie for people to like be advocates for people who are transgender um but I think that we can read it in that lens now when we have, like, so much more knowledge and, like, awareness of everything now. But even when so. you think about the scene with the dads in the bed in the mm-hmm. flashback, like, other than the little kids, which are, like, laughing, which I don't think is meant to be mocking of what's happening. It's just, like, if you show little kids uncomfortable shit, like, sex or whatever, they laugh, mm-hmm. they giggle. They see two people kissing, they're going to laugh and they're going to giggle. Like, mm-hmm. the scene of the two guys in bed is, like, very sweet, Like, there's nothing comical or, like, mocking about it. It's literally them. You see them, like, chest up. They're under the sheets. Mm -hmm. And they're just kind of, like, caressing each other. Like I would actually say that it's probably the only moment in the movie where, like, the intimacy feels mutual and, like, romantic. Yeah. Beautiful. Because everything else is, like, you know, a man kissing, like, a, a boy kissing a girl who, like, doesn't want it. Or, like, a girl who's just trying to, like, you know, prove that she's cooler than the other girls and, like, the only actual intimate relationship that we do see is that moment. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that is, um, do you have anything else to say? Because that's the fucking movie. No, and that we went, we really went through the whole fucking thing. I had a great time. Oh, I mean, every time I watch it, this is one that I, I mean, it's really quick. It's like, what, like 80 minutes or something around there? Yeah, it's um, 84 minutes. Like, it's an it's a quick, easy watch. It's fun. It's a great, it's it's enjoyable enough to watch on your own. Um, but it's also a great movie to watch with a bunch of people, especially if they're people that, like, haven't seen the movie before. Because obviously the huge thing people talk about is the ending and the reveal right. and all that shit and, like, kind of, like, what the fuck, how do they pull how do they pull all that together to do that but there's also just like great moments throughout that make it worth watching like the kills the you know the fucking unbelievable aggression and vulgarity against each other like the shorts as you said yes Yes. so definitely highly recommend but before we get to our ratings um something that we like to do is pulling um, reviews for this movie that we really like and sharing them, uh, whether they be from Letterboxd or Amazon or wherever, um, two each. So, Alex, would you like to start with one, or should I start with yeah, one? Yeah, I can start. Okay. So, um, I got both of my reviews from Letterboxd. Um, I wanted to, you know, do both sides of the spectrum, so I got a low rating and a high rating. So I will start with my um, first rating is a half-star review but also a heart, which means that they like it, um, from a man named Brian Fowler. And the review says, The words to describe this movie haven't been invented yet. I fully stand by that terrible half-star rating. I also fully stand by giving it a heart. I love this terrible movie. It goes beyond problematic into, yup, words not invented. Terrible acting, poor filmmaking, but somehow this deeply phobic, poorly made, terribly acted film is great. It's a disaster. I recommend watching it immediately. And I feel like I like this review so much because it kind of says a lot about what I love about B-horror because a lot of it is just, like, so fucking bad, but that's why I love it. It's so much fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't necessarily think that this is a bad movie. I think it's a good movie, personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I found a ton of half-star and one-star reviews of people just, like, fully shitting on this movie. So it was nice to find some that were like, oh, I recognize all of the faults of it, but I still think it's a fucking incredible time. And I also saw a lot of people comparing it to The Room, which I do not agree with. Oh, I don't agree with that at all. The fucking Room 
is a whole other thing that I will not get into. But do not compare this fucking movie to that, please. So many people did it. I don't have think at ever, all. It's comparable. Have you watched any other bad movie that was in the fucking room? Like, shut up. Right. So that's my pitch. Um, let's see what I got here. Hold on one second. Oh, well, here's here's a perfect one to start with, um, which is something that we kept talking about the whole time. So this is from, on Letterboxd, user Arlo McLean. Three and a half stars with a heart. And the review is one sentence, which is, Ricky has the big dick energy I'm really looking for in a man. Um, correct. I mean, he exudes it. It's fucking, like, dripping out of his goddamn pores the whole fucking time. Oh, yeah, Ricky is really... Another reason to watch this movie. Like, as you're saying with your other review, like, yeah, a lot of B-horror is bad. And I think I'm someone that... There's, like, there's a thin line of being, like, Mm -hmm. so bad that I have to love it and it's good. And, like, so bad that it's just fucking bad. And this is, like, so much on the side of, like... I, even as you were kind of saying, like, it's definitely bad, but I've seen much worse movies that I also love than this. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel like the worst part of it is the, I obviously, like, the 80s kind of, like, transphobic underlying messages, which, like, mm-hmm. as someone that is not transgender, I, I can't really speak on that fully. Like, right. I, I don't know what, what it, but that's like, um, that's not my experience, so I don't want to speak, obviously, to be like, it's fine for that community. Um, but there is a lot redeemable in this movie. Like, people say the acting is bad. It's just, like, it's a bad, it's a bad script. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I think the acting is so fucking fun. It's um, the 80s. Come on. Yeah, and I mean, and Ricky is a huge thing. Like, he's a huge reason to watch this movie. Like, he comes in hot, and he's at 100 the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think no one's phoning it in. Everyone's, like, really giving it their all. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, so good. All right, my last review is also from Letterboxd. It is a five-star review from Jake Dretzka, and it's just one line, but I didn't understand any of it, so I loved it. He said, literally obsessed with this movie, better than Annie Hall, but not as good as Cold War. What the fuck? How you can compare those three movies? I don't know how this boy's brain works, but I really like it because he's clearly taking some time to think about it i mean he's like you know what this movie ranks just above fucking woody allen but not quite as good as that polish romance i watched (laughs) so okay kid sure um glad you gave it five stars though um my final review is another three and a half star um which is another one i think you will also very much relate to Mm -hmm. which is the most disturbing image in this movie isn't that final shot It's the fact that Meg seems genuinely into the idea of shagging that rancid old camp owner. Yes, he's so fucking old. It's like, it's like, it's a, that's the thing. It's like, it's just like, there's no explanation for it. By the time we get to them, it's like kind of established that this has already been like developing for a while. Um, And everyone around them, no one, at no point is anyone like, yo, what the fuck? Like, everyone's just like, oh yeah. They didn't even cast, like, a silver fox hot guy for it. No! Like, the fucking nastiest old man I've ever seen. Well, something about that guy, the actor in real life, apparently this is the last movie he ever did because really? he was battling fucking lung cancer. <gasps> oh, now I feel bad. I mean, he's he's not actually as... I, I mean, I don't know him. He's playing a role of a scummy guy. We would hope that in right. real life he's, he's not actually that he way. He's less attractive because of his character that is true. Yeah. But in general, it's like, I, I don't I don't problem saying he's unattractive because he's old. Like, I'm not attracted right. to men in their fucking, you know, 200s. I'm, what do you want me to say? 
So um, those are our, uh, our, some of our favorite reviews we've seen of this gem sleepaway camp. So now it's time to give you our reviews, not spoken, because I think we've already uh, established that, but our rating. So if you recall from our episode zero, the rating system we will be using that we've invented on a five-star scale using characters from horror movies. So, um, Alex, would you like to go first with your rating? Sure. I give this um, a rating of Boy Next Door, which is four stars. Yes. I, I mean, I give it the same exact rating. I think it's like, I can't, in my, I can't, for as much as I love it, I cannot give it five stars. And sometimes, I mean, in reality, like, my the way that I rate movies in my head is kind of me just, like, throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, there's no real fucking system to it. It's, like, you know, something, like, I could rate this four stars and I could also rate, like, something like, you know, maybe, like, Shawshank Redemption fucking four stars. Where it's, like, are they fucking comparable to cinema? Like, no. But, like... Well, you know what? As Jake said, it's better than Annie Hall. So I guess you can compare. I mean, Annie Hall is Annie Hall. Um... But, yeah, boy, it's a solid four out of five, Boy Next Door. Um, it is it is a perfect movie to watch. Um, as, we, as we said, quick, fun to watch, incredibly quotable, and it is it has gained cult status in the horror uh, community. So if you're someone that uh, loves horror already and you haven't seen it, come on, girl, get on it. And if you're someone that's just breaking into the horror community or someone just got into horror, oh, this is perfect. This is another perfect movie to, like, kind of just, like, get a grasp of, like, a lot of, like, 80s horror tropes and shit like that. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah. That kind of... They made made a few sequels, I believe, which I have not seen. They made, like, Um, four or five sequels. Did they? I mean, I have the box set, but I have not watched them, but I think I will now that I have revisited and loved this movie so much. Yes. I I haven't seen the sequels either. I have to to watch them at some point. Um, But that is Sleepaway Camp. Yay! I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us. This is probably pretty long. Um, but we want to give a few thank yous before we go. Um, first of all, we want to give a big thank you shout out to Nathan Graham, who did our music that you heard at the very beginning. He's an incredible musician, and we love him, and we support him, and you should check him out on Instagram on Official Blue Caprice. Mm-hmm. Next, we want to thank um, someone very close to me, my sister, uh, Bridget Garrity. Um, She did the cover art for our podcast, all hand-drawn, iconique. Um, uh, You can follow her on Twitter. I would say Instagram, but she has a private Instagram. Her Twitter is BridgetGXO. Um, and she also will post a lot of her drawings there too. She draws, she's really into Marvel. So she draws a lot of the Marvel characters and blah, blah. Like she, she's a, she's a portrait artist and she's really incredible with what she can do. Absolutely. She's so good. Um, and last but not least, we want to thank my beautiful fiance, Greg Galante, who, um, actually came up with the idea for us to do this podcast after he had been listening to me talk about sorority babes and the slime ball Volarama. And he was like, why don't you just do a podcast and talk about it so that people maybe might like it um, and, he, and he is the editor so he's gonna put all this together for us and if you would like to follow us um you can follow us on instagram at the girls who cried be horror there we'll be posting um lead-ups to our next episode clues of what we'll be doing maybe some other fun stuff along the way um and if you 
would like to contact us, obviously you can send us a direct message on Instagram or you can comment on our posts. Or if you want to direct, you know, talk to us in a more intimate way. We also have a Gmail account, the girls who cried before at Gmail, very easy. Um, there you can tell us, you know, your thoughts on our show, your thoughts about the movies we watch. You can always recommend to us movies you think we should cover. Um, anything. Um, and yeah, we don't have a Twitter or a Facebook yet. We might get there down the road. But for right now, just an email and just an Instagram. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it. I know it's probably just our, like, handful of friends at this point. Um, but yeah, and I hope everyone's safe and healthy at home right now during everything that's going on. And yes, spooky fucking movies while you're home. Yes, make sure to binge all that horror fun. Thank you for stopping by to listen. And make sure, of course, to keep it creepy. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.